Heads up! This episode, John and Richard are running and screaming about dino riders, tetanus shots, and a hunter with a heart of gold. Something has survived. On Here's Why It's Great. Welcome to uh, here. Here's why it's great. The uh, podcast that uh, takes what you hate and tells you why it's great. I'm your host, John Bring. Guys, I'm not going to do the whole episode doing Jeff Goldblum. Spoiler alert: We're doing the Lost World Jurassic Park, and I have a good friend with me. He's a fellow podcaster. He's just a good all around guy. Richard Cardenas, welcome to the show. <laughs> you you went with Cardenas. Yeah, I went with the. I, could you say your name the proper way? Uh, it's Richard Cardenas. See, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't pull it off like that. I've, I've discussed many times on the show how I can't pronounce anything. It's okay. It's the ethnic side you don't have. Thank you so much for being on the show. We've been friends for a long time. You've been listening to the show for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've been on your podcast, mm-hmm. Interview with a Nerd, Yay. quite a few times. Uh, you're also on the Awkward Human Survival Guide yep. podcast, which is such a fun, great show. And this is, I gotta say, sorry to interrupt you. That's the host in me. This feels so weird because I'm usually the one <laughs> like saying, you've done this, you've done this, you <laughs> like this. And now like being on the other side, I'm like, ah. <laughs> oh, you just got, got guest shock, ah. I guess. Uh, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. Well, we're also recording in your usual recording space. You're being friendly enough to let me come in and sit in on your nicer equipment. But no, we're doing uh, another sequel this week, folks. Last week, we did Ghostbusters 2. Perry Smith and I had a great conversation, a very long conversation about that film. And this is The Lost World Jurassic Park. This is a damn fun movie. Yes, it was probably my favorite Jurassic Park movie growing up. I'm not even going to lie. Whoa. I, but here, 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 I will backtrack a little bit. I recognize and acknowledge and accept that Jurassic Park is obviously superior it's like a near perfect movie, but The Lost World to me is just so much more fun, so much more. I don't know. It just gives me more joy to watch. I, I get that. I, uh, If you listen to the last episode, you know that Jurassic Park is my favorite movie of all time. I adore that franchise. Uh, well, let me let me back that up again. I, uh, I adore the first two entries in the <laughs> franchise. Beyond that. It gets a little bit rocky, but... You don't, you don't like when the Velociraptor in part three goes, Alan. Uh, that part I like. That's that's actually the peak of that movie, uh-huh, in my opinion. Uh-huh. It's just everything that follows is just garbage. No. Hot garbage. I mean, it is, but I still love them. I can't yeah. help it. Dude, I, I mean, I don't like Jurassic Park 3. I still watch Jurassic Park yeah. 3 pretty often. Mm-hmm. The newer ones, I'm not as big of a fan of just because... Over reliance on CGI. I don't know. It doesn't have the same feel, the same flavor to it. There's some good stuff here and there, but generally not a big fan of those new movies. Right. That being said, I saw them both in the theater, and of whenever course. they come out with a third one, I'll be there. Of course. Yeah, absolutely, because I'm a fucking chump. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there is no uh, strength in me to resist going to. A Jurassic Park movie. Yeah. Never will be. And in 1997, uh, there was no strength in Steven Spielberg <laughs> to resist going back to the well. After having the greatest year any director's ever had, fight me on this one, with Jurassic Park and Schindler's List both being released and shot basically, and that's within a year of each mm-hmm. other. That's insane. I didn't even realize until today when I did my rewatch that he directed this one. I thought he was only like a producer on it. Well, yeah, because the third one, Joe Johnston, who directed The Rocketeer, 
Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He actually tried to direct this one. He had lobbied for the director's chair, but Spielberg came in and said, no, man, I want to do it. He, after directing both Jurassic Park and Schindler's List, having, again, the most amazing <laughs> year. You want to talk about somebody at the height of their powers? Look at that year. He took a couple years off to recover. I think he just needed, he oh, was wow. physically and mentally drained. From uh, this. Probably, what's that? <laughs> from this movie? No, no, no. From okay. Jurassic Park and Schindler's List, that okay. one-two punch. I think he was, I mean, understandably, like creatively, you got to be spent after that. Those are two perfect films. Mm-hmm. And so he took a couple years off, probably spent some time in Hawaii, whatnot. And this was his first film back Man. after that hiatus. And, and he's never been the same. <laughs> and uh, kind of true. <laughs> I mean, you know, you hit the peak. I mean, it's only downhill from there. Uh, but when he came back, he definitely hit the ground running because he did this in Amistad, a similar like big blockbuster mm-hmm. and another smaller Oscar bait type film. But neither of them hit in the same way. Mm-hmm. I think people really were excited for a sequel of Jurassic Park because the first one was so beloved. But it's tough to live up to those expectations, <laughs> yeah. especially the lofty heights of Jurassic Park, which was such a great movie, such a huge box office hit. It was like the first of its kind. Yeah, it was a cultural touchstone. Between that and Terminator 2, ushered in a new era of filmmaking with digital effects. There's no touching in that movie. And uh, unfortunately, most people thought that Lost World didn't come anywhere close. <laughs> uh, I know, I was so shocked because prior to, to recording and watching these films, you asked if there was anything I wanted to talk about. And I was going through all these films, and when I brought this one up, you were like, hell yeah. Yeah. And, like, to me, it was surprising growing up that people didn't like this film. I, I know. I, me and my best friend loved it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I tell stories literally every episode about a movie we made based on something that we're talking about. But this is another one of those cases <laughs> where we made our own Lost World. Oh, no. Uh, I know I've talked you, about how did, it. How did this come out? Okay. So, uh, there's our series called Attack of the Heist. And Heist was our stand-in for House because we were idiots. I don't know why we <laughs> okay. called it Heist. Anyway, it started as like a really simple like horror movie where it was more or less a Resident Evil ripoff where the house is alive. Anything in the house, all the furniture could eat you. And if you die in the house, you become a zombie. Hmm. So it was sort of a zombie, like haunted house kind of movie. Very simple. And the Lost World Jurassic Park came out and we were like, well... There's a second island in this movie. What if there was a second heist <laughs> where it was a breeding heist where they a breeding where they, where they come up with all the zombies. They have all the the living furniture, all the zombies come from this. Was this the heist. The, the garage that was converted into a, a home? <laughs> no. No, uh, okay. no, it was it, it was the exact same heist. It was my mom's house. Uh, it was the only place we ever filmed. And Aww. it had like the same setup. Like I played a little girl who like <laughs> stumbled upon the house and got attacked by, God, what did I get attacked by? Like a rocking chair or something stupid. Wow. And then our only surviving character from the first movie came back and he was nothing like Jeff Goldblum or Ian Malcolm in the first movie. He was just pretty generic kid because it was my cousin Perry Smith who was the <laughs> la- on the last episode. He uh, played the main character. I think his name was Keith. And he all of a sudden is Jeff Goldblum in this movie. And it's a similar <laughs> thing where he's got to go in and rescue his friend. I didn't actually play a woman, uh, but I played the Sarah Harding role where okay. he was going in after me. And uh, we had my friend Darren, who was on a couple episodes ago, played Nick Van Owen. We made no bones about that one. So he just <laughs> played the part of Nick Van Owen because he was obsessed with that character. And uh, it was really stupid. It was really, really stupid. When will these be released? Oh, man. I'm tempted to put, like, clips <laughs> of these out because I do have them all digitized. They're very poor quality because they're all off of VHSs. But mm. I don't know because uh, eventually we're going to touch on all of them because we've I've already talked about 
Uh, now this one, we did a Batman and Robin one, mm. Attack of the Heights and Robin. Uh, we did a Die Hard. We did uh, Attack of the Heights with a Vengeance. So it was Die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh Part five was Attack of the Heights in Sync. That was a Christmas one. And then we did a okay. prequel, a very Brady Attack of the Heights. Oh, I love a very Brady Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's such a silly series. But uh, but the fact of the matter is, despite the fact that everybody hated this movie, apparently, mm-hmm. like it inspired us like crazy. Like we immediately wanted to go make the thing that we love so much. Mm-hmm. We loved it to a point where it's like, fuck, we got to do that. Which, I don't know. So I'm in the same boat you were. It was a shock to me to find out that everybody hates this movie, apparently. Yeah, I didn't get it. Definitely as a kid growing up watching these movies, one of the things that I latched onto was the fact that they had kids in the movies. Right. And like growing, <laughs> growing up watching it today as I did, I was like, this dumb bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I had way more problems with Kelly this time than I ever have. One of the things that in the past I've thought about (laughs) as I've gotten older is that Kelly is Ian Malcolm's daughter and how progressive it was that she was not just another white girl. Yeah. And that she was actually like a black girl who was his daughter. And like there was no question about it. It was just it. And I was like, oh, how great. But one of the things that annoys me is that she does gymnastics in a barn or whatever the fuck that is. And there was a hurricane that came and destroyed this area how were her hands not fucked up she's definitely gonna have to get a tetanus shot when she gets back to the mainland how (laughs) How was she able to like twist and and turn and do all the stuff that she did yeah and why are there (laughs) parallel bars even in that Uh barn uh uh, we have a lot of questions we'll definitely talk about the gymnastics scene that i think stands out as one of the reasons people hate that movie but it's good the movie or that scene no no that scene it's Uh, so bad but it's i mean i kind of chuckled at it today but uh when (laughs) i watched it so ridiculous but it's so good it is ridiculous it's similar to ghostbusters 2 which we talked about on the last episode which perry and i talked about 6.5 on imdb that's people Mm. rating it Mm -hmm. users rating it 54% on Rotten Tomatoes so Mm -hmm. it's certified rotten 51% audience score so actually critics liked it slightly more than audiences and 59 on Metacritic so that's insane yeah it's like why it's still a Spielberg movie Mm -hmm. the guy doesn't know how to make a bad movie Unless you've seen 1941, <laughs> which is a bad movie, but that was early in his career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was thinking his most recent film. Oh, Ready Player One? Ready Player One. I did not like that movie. Really? Um, mm. I didn't love it. I just rewatched it a couple weeks ago, and it's enjoyable, but it's very heartless. For me, I just didn't like the book either. Ugh, no, I just don't. <laughs> it's so, I love, it's so surface. Yeah. And it gets even more surface with the movie. Yeah, I was going to say, I loved the book, the first read. And then a couple years later, when I found out the movie was getting made, the movie was about to come out, so I reread it, and I was left way cold by that book. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think just, like, once you know what's going to happen, and then it it becomes very apparent that this is just, like, reference fest. Yes. uh, And it's just hollow. It's soulless. And uh, that's that's the problem with it. And I was excited when Spielberg got announced for it. And there's a couple flashes of brilliance in that movie. Uh, There's a couple of really good scenes, but they're kind of few and far between, which is such a bummer because... Spielberg is the best director of all time, in my opinion. Um, I know you could probably say, like, you know, Hitchcock (laughs) or Orson Welles Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, even Martin Scorsese or somebody like that. But for me, for what I like, Spielberg, 100%. Mm. Of course, I'm like, I like big popcorn movies. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That's my thing. Uh, So before we get into it, I'll just say that, like, all the major players are back. Obviously, Spielberg is directing, John Williams' score. Uh, Michael Kahn, the same editor. There's a different DP, 
Uh, but the DP is the guy who shot Schindler's List, and that guy is just fucking amazing. Uh, we got Jeff Goldblum back. Oh, I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. I was actually just given a Jeff Goldblum pin by you and your boyfriend. Yeah, uh, it's the a, uh, Jurassic Park logo, but instead of saying Jurassic Park, it says Jeff Goldblum. And it's my favorite thing ever. This is the third or fourth Jeff Goldblum gift that I got for my birthday, which mm. is amazing, and I hope they keep coming. I hope this becomes a theme in my life. Yeah, I do have to share a little bit of a story. This past Christmas, you and Lindsay invited us over for your wife elephant Christmas party and I put together a gift that I think blew everyone's gifts out of the park. Oh yeah, you were the MVP for sure. <laughs> I got a bunch of Jeff Goldblum things, magnets. I made a calendar. Uh, I don't know. Oh what shit, else was you in made it. the calendar. I made the calendar. I didn't even realize you made the calendar. I made That's the calendar. <laughs> and uh, a few other things that I put pins, Some probably pins, um, magnets. I believe. Yeah. yeah. And you had it. For a hot second yeah. before someone stole it from you. Well, okay. So we do a white elephant uh, shindig every year, mm-hmm. Lindsay and I. And for the audience at home who doesn't know how a white elephant might work, because some people don't, uh, basically everyone draws a number and we go down the line and whoever has a number gets to pick a present and say, I pick the Jeff Goldblum thing. I'm number one. If you're number two, you can either pick the Jeff Goldblum thing and take it from me or you can pick a new gift. Uh, and the way we usually play it is... Whoever's number one, since they don't get a chance to pick anybody else's, once it's all done, number one gets a chance to pick from everything. Mm -hmm. So number one is the number that you want in this game. And I believe the Jeff Goldblum thing was like the last gift that somebody opened. Yeah, it was pretty much the last thing. And I figured that you like basically tailored that gift to me because my my love of (laughs) Jeff Goldblum is widely known. I was playing to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So of course I was like, well, give me that Jeff Goldblum thing. And I made the mistake of listening to one of my friends who was like, hey, you know, whoever got that stolen from them, you should let them steal something from somebody else. Let's keep it going. Because mm-hmm. I think we ran through the game pretty quick because everyone was happy with what they had. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? That's that's fine. <laughs> that's a great idea. Let's do that. And motherfucker <laughs> who I stole the Jeff Goldblum gift from talks to his friend who's sitting next to him. Mm-hmm. And that motherfucker steals it back from me. And as... We've established as a rule in our house, a gift can only be stolen twice. Mm-hmm. So that meant the Jeff Goldblum thing was off the table. He stole it for his friend. They switched gifts in a clandestine meeting. <laughs> so I got denied my Jeff Goldblum thing. I forget uh-huh. what I actually ended up with. I think it was something funny or fun. So I I, I'm sure I got a great gift. But the point is, <laughs> it was not the Jeff Goldblum gift. It wasn't. And I was like genuinely upset. <laughs> I was furious. <laughs> and <laughs> at him, at his friend, uh, and oh. obviously these are all my friends. Uh-huh. I love everybody. I was mad at you for even bringing it and putting me into that situation. <laughs> but the guy who stole it from the stealer eventually gave me the magnet. As a, uh, he he felt so bad about it because we would go over to their place and. But he kept the, the calendar. Yeah, motherfucker kept the calendar. Mm. He kept the uh, the pins and mm-hmm. the. I think there was like an ornament in there or something like that. Which, been, I don't even remember. But Lindsay has since <laughs> given me. Uh, the magnet. Somebody else gave me the magnet too. So now I have three of the magnets. Mm. I also have a Jeff Goldblum pillow that I got for my birthday this year. Lindsay gave me the pop figurine of Jeff Goldblum on a side. <laughs> uh, now I've got the pin and, and I bought a, an oven mitt at Comic-Con with Jeff Goldblum. So I'm like, <laughs> I am good and covered. Yeah. But if any more Jeff Goldblum stuff 
is, uh, you know, out there in the world, just send me an email, hwigpodcast yeah. at gmail.com. Let me know. I'll take it. I'll take anything, man. Yeah, if you I want love John's affection, send over Jeff Goldblum. That's the one way straight to my heart is Jeff Goldblum <laughs> stuff. And uh, he is obviously back for this movie. He's yeah. the star of the show, <laughs> which I remember, I obviously, I've always loved Jeff Goldblum. But even back in 97, when I saw the trailers, I, it sort of confounded me that they didn't bring Alan Grant back. Mm-hmm. And they chose to bring Ian Malcolm back instead. I don't know if Sam Neill said no. I don't. I, I don't think he could have seen this movie and like, was it successful in the box office? Not. I mean, yes, it because he came back for the third. I know. Uh, this movie was successful, but not to the heights of the first one. This movie made like two hundred twenty nine at the domestic box office, and it was like over 600 million at the mm. global box office, which in 97, that was pretty big. Yeah. But the first one grossed over a billion dollars, which was just monumental at the time. Mm. So it was over a hundred million dollars less than the original domestically. So huge drop off, but it was still profitable. And yeah. the crazy thing is this movie was made for like 73 million. Really? Yeah. And isn't that insane to think yeah. about? Because now 73 million barely gets you like <laughs> it barely gets you a Jump Street movie or like a comedy or something. Uh-huh. You see a, a comedy and it's like $50 million. It's like, where does the money go? Right. But anyhow, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, and the, I think it's weird that he did come back considering Steven Spielberg didn't come back and like, what was your draw to come back to? Uh, not Jeff Goldblum, uh, you're talking about the third one, Sam, yeah, Neil, Sam Neil. Why he would come back for the third one, but not the second you one. Know? Unless they just didn't write him in. There is the fact that the Michael Crichton second novel, The Lost World. And I never read any of them. I, I, I read them both. Oh. I quite enjoyed them. And if, from what I remember, the movie follows the second novel a lot more closely mm. than the first one is followed in the movie. Uh, in the first novel, Ian Malcolm dies. Oh. And in the beginning of the second novel, he says something about, like, the, the doctors did good work to sort of gloss over the fact that he died <laughs> in the first one. I don't know why Michael Crichton chose Ian Malcolm as the guy for the yeah. second adventure. But in the novel, I remember it working. But I, I think that in the novel, he was also left... I think in the novel, he was less Jeff Goldblum-y. Jeff Goldblum brought a very specific presence to that part in the Mm -hmm. first movie, and that didn't necessarily carry over to the novel. So Ian Malcolm maybe made a little bit more sense in the novel, but bringing him into this, it's like, that guy's going to be your action hero, like, leading man? Right. I mean, obviously, Jeff Goldblum is a leading man. Yeah. There's no question there, but I don't know. Character-wise, it's still... Is like, what, really? Okay. It is weird because he, uh, in the first film, had a certain, like, gravitas, I guess. Like, he he did still have, like, that leading man thing, but it's so different. And it's different in the way that, like, today's leading mans are, where we are not having as much, like, big, thick, like, muscly men, straight guy type of leading man. Now it's leaning more towards, like, I think you said this a while back, a long time ago, but, like, we have, like, the Timothée Chalamets yeah. and stuff leading movies now yeah and i feel like jeff goldblum was one of those men yeah he was leading so, this movie kind of before his time right like a different sort of leading man because yeah back then uh the guys i can think of are the harrison fords of the world right like just square jawed like you said like just tough mm-hmm. straight dudes who are white <laughs> and while jeff goldblum is white uh-huh. uh because of his black daughter and this i was convinced for many years until very recently that jeff goldblum was half black for the longest oh, time. And I thought, oh, that's why they cast his daughter as black. Uh, he's half black. Mm. Uh, that is not true. No. He's just a <laughs> dark-skinned white dude. Uh-huh. Uh, he's Jewish, obviously. Yes. But So we'll get around to the daughter and, and how kind of confusing it is. But also, I agree with you. It's like kind of cool that they just picked the right actor for the job. Yeah. Like, she was great 
And I could see why Spielberg would want to cast her. I think he saw her in some play. And when she was signing an autograph for him, which, God, that's got to be crazy for a kid to be like signing <laughs> Steven Spielberg an autograph I of your own. I think she was in that movie Leaving Las Vegas. Oh, was she? Oh, yes. I, I know that she was in that movie, time. but I think she was in it first. Yeah. I, I know that I read somewhere that she was in like a show or mm. some some musical or something. And Steel, I don't have it in front of me, but and Spielberg went to go see her or went to go see it and uh, really took a shine to her. And he told her right then and there, it's like, I'm going to put you in my next movie. Mm. And she was like, OK, and probably thought <laughs> nothing of it because people say things like that. But got to give it to Spielberg when he says he's going to do something. By God, he does it. But yeah, she is uh, in I know Harriet the Spy. Uh, she's still working, actually. She was really? just in an episode of Shameless last season. Randomly, oh. uh, I didn't recognize her at the time, but when I went to go look at her IMDb, I was like, "Oh yeah, she was just there." I mean, it's it's kind of sporadic roles, but mm-hmm. you know the CSIs and the oh, without a traces her. of the world. But yeah, she's still working. She's very good in this. So yeah, no, I really enjoyed her. I thought that she like had good timing with her comedy and yeah. all that stuff. She kind of brings the heart that would otherwise be missing because I feel like uh, we're skipping ahead, but like I, I really feel like Jeff Goldblum and Julianne Moore don't have the chemistry that you would (laughs) want them to have. No, they don't. They have basically zero chemistry. So Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of heart between them. Uh, But yeah, the daughter, I like felt like he was her father. Like I never doubted that for a minute that Ian Malcolm was. Well, one of the things that he repeats in the film that I love is that he says, you know, my my heart, my goddess, my inspiration. And like at one point in the film, he's saying it and then she like finishes it for him. Yeah. And it's just like, you really do get that like father daughter yeah. feeling from it's them. So sweet. And obviously that's a territory that Spielberg has dealt with a jillion times. Mm-hmm. Basically every one of his movies has like a deadbeat dad element to it. <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's just jump right in. Okay. So we're, we, uh, so we start the movie on uh, Isla Sorna, uh, yes. a different Island. A different uh, Island. And, and I didn't realize how far apart these islands were. Like it, it says 87 miles away. Yeah. And like, I guess that's, like, like not that far, but it is far. Like, for whatever reason, I thought it was, like, right next door. That you could, like, swim from island. one to the yeah. other? I kind of always assume the same, because when you see them in the maps and stuff late in the movie, and did you play the Jurassic Park game that came out recently? Jurassic Park? No. Uh, the Island Builder or something? Yeah. No. That's, that's my catnip, man. That Those kinds of games. Oh, oh are you loving it? I played the <laughs> shit out of it. I, it was one of those games where... Uh, you have all these dinosaurs that you can obviously get, like 50 different breeds of dinosaur mm-hmm. and like different attractions you can get. But you have to build, obviously, to get to those. And you have to do like a lot of research and stuff. And eventually I was like so hot to get these different breeds and to, <laughs> and to upgrade them and everything. And when I got all the research and then I could just finally play on the sandbox island, I was like, Mm, what do I do now? What's the, what's the <laughs> point? Like, uh-huh. I did it already. Right. Uh, that's kind of the problem that I have with a lot of video games, though, is I work so hard to, like, collect everything on, like, Batman or something. I get all the Riddler trophies. Do you 100% those? The Riddler trophies? Absolutely. Oh, uh, no. I'm, there are too many trophies. There's so many. And I usually have to look up a bunch of them. I 100% got all the moons on Mario Odyssey. Wow. Every single one. And I got 999, actually. <laughs> because that's the maximum you can have on the balloon, mm. um, where you just basically collect coins and just buy a shitload of right. them. Right. So I walked around and I collected enough coins to buy the extra 
600 or whatever. Yeah, the only game I've ever come close to collecting everything in 100%ing is the Spider-Man Sony game. Uh, I'm still working on that one. I It's so easy to do, in my opinion, and it made it fun. But for me, every time I get into those games where it's like collect all these things, yeah. I get very excited for them at first. Yeah. But then like halfway through, I'm like, this is a fucking hassle. Yeah. And it's like, I just get so tired of it. And I'm like, I, I have to get through the story now. Like, yeah. this is enough is enough. <laughs> it does get to be like bullshit, especially in that game where you also have to like go stop a bunch of crimes in every mm-hmm. sector and all that stuff. I'm getting through it now and I am loving it. I think that game is great. However, my one problem is uh, after you beat the main story, then it's like 50 secret photos you can find around town. And mm. I don't even know what it gets you. I, it may not get you anything. Mm. Um, I think it gives you naked Spider-Man, right? Oh, I thought I already had that. I think I already have oh, that costume. I don't know. <laughs> so maybe if it gives you a costume, great, but it's going to be the exact same thing where I beat everything and I got all the secret photos and it's like, yeah, yeah I have a new costume. What's the point? Right. Like there's nothing Well, I've, you got to do the DLC. I guess you got Oh, no, that's what I'm getting through right now oh, is the DLC. Okay, okay. I'm in the third one, but I'm doing these 50 photos and it's like they're hidden cuz every other like collectible you could find just like on the map. Yeah, you could find them in some way, but those 50 photos, those are elusive. I'm up to like Mm-mm. 42 or something like that. And I know those last eight are going to be a son of a bitch to find. Yeah. I finished the game and I was like, I'm going to find everything. Never went back. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, Isla Sorna, as you said, 87 miles southwest mm-hmm. of Isla Nublar or Isla Nublar. Or do you say Isla? 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 Okay. Isla, 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 Isla or Isla? La, La Isla Bonita. Yes. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Madonna. Where we find a uh, family. They are rich and white as fuck. Yes. What? One of the things that happens in this that I noticed, so there's a little girl who is like kind of running around doing her own little thing and she like wants to go off and adventure on her own and the yeah. mother's like, oh, no, no, you got to stay around. And the father's like, let, let her be, like, give her some space. Uh, you know, what's funny about the scene is a uh, little trivia here. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently it was shot like mostly by second unit. Really? Uh, yeah, Steven Spielberg like showed up on set for like a day, but uh, David Kep, who is the screenwriter, uh, for this movie and the screenwriter for the original Jurassic Park uh, actually directed this scene for the most oh, part. Wow. Yeah, I think. Well, uh, I mean, I wouldn't have expected it to be second unit to film the scene itself because there's a lot going on in the scene. Yeah. It is and quick, it's quick, though. And it's the opening of your movie. Yeah. You think that Spielberg would be a little bit more committed to it. But it was, a, I guess, a tough schedule, maybe. Mm. And they had to splinter off into different units. But I felt for those actors because even though Spielberg did show up for like a day, apparently, uh, you are in the Spielberg movie. You got this part. <laughs> you're so excited to be part of a Spielberg movie. And then he's not even directing it. And you're <laughs> yeah. like in a full ass scene. Yeah. That sucks. But it looks like Spielberg directed it. Mm-hmm. It shot very well. And yeah. we get our introduction to our first dinosaurs of very many dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dinos in this movie. Apparently, David Kep, when he was writing it, kept a letter uh, hanging onto his computer that somebody had sent him saying, like, why did you wait so long before we saw a dinosaur in the first movie? And it's called tension. Yeah, and because it's fucking magical when it happens. Goddamn right it is. Like, when we see that <laughs> T-Rex for the first time, fuck yes. But this one we get little baby dinosaurs immediately, little yeah, compies. Yeah, yeah. I, they have a very long, complicated name that I'm not even going to attempt. Yeah, I was uh, about to try and I was like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote it down somewhere and I'm like, uh, uh no. It's a compie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but the compies attack the little girl. She tries to feed him a sandwich. Uh, there's kind of like puppets of them and also CGs. The yeah. puppets are a little janky. 
Yeah. It's fine. And we'll get even more puppets of them later on. Yeah. Like very close up puppets yeah. where it's kind of awkward to like watch them do what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of puppetry in this movie, which I'm going to give it credit for mm. that. Like it uses a ton of practical dinos. But yeah, some work better than others. Yes. And I feel like for whatever reason, I think because they're so small or I don't know, just technical limitations, the copies are a little weird. But one thing I thought is why the mom like flips her shit. When she sees this, it's not like it's a raptor tearing her child's head off. It's a bunch of little like bipedal lizards, well, which is weird. Well, to be fair, nobody knows that these dinosaurs exist or dinosaurs exist whatsoever because yeah. as we'll learn later, it was all covered up. Yeah, that's true. And so like I would imagine like finding your daughter surrounded by dozens of these little lizard. I guess so. I guess so. Raptor things like that probably be pretty horrifying. Yeah. Unfortunately, they don't really tell us what happened to the daughter either because later on they're like a little girl was attacked but she's fine yeah yeah john hammond like writes it off like oh she's okay uh -huh. but it, but that could also just be like the john hammond like company line you know because yeah he has a tendency to uh Keep under play certain awful things yeah uh but yeah so the little girl is uh attacked the mother screams and in one of the most confusing cuts in the history of film <laughs> i love it it's it cuts to Ian Malcolm off the screen. A, what looks like a giant Ian Malcolm, uh -huh. but really he's just up against like a uh, screen print of of some, like an of, island of an island. What it was trying to sell, who knows? But <laughs> and he's like yawning, he's so yawn like the screen fades into his yawn. Yeah, it's so weird. It's like it's a so really funny. weird match cut. It's uh, so weird. Yeah, it's very odd, especially because again. Ian Malcolm in the first one was an electric character. Mm -hmm. Absolutely just as soon as he's on the screen, he just oozes personality. He oozes charisma. And the first time you show him in this new movie, the hero of your movie, he's yawning and a kind of unflattering <laughs> shot. It's hard to be not flattering for a man like Jeff Goldblum. Mm -hmm. The man is perfect. But it's a weird first shot. I mean, I don't know if you disagree or... I don't know. I, if you just I, live I'm in the not, comedy of I'm it. I'm not bothered by it. I think I'm living in the comedy of it because it's just like so ridiculous. You've had this horrifying thing, which again, we don't know. So we have to kind of imagine what's going on. But like you have this horrifying thing happening to this little girl. This woman is reacting with the big old scream and then it cuts into him yawning. Like, yeah. eh. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of funny. Yeah, it's. I, I chuckled at it when I watched it. But like I said, it is a confounding match cut yeah it's very weird it's very weird and he's yes. at the subway station he uh gets uh waylaid by this like really douchey guy i marked down specifically how wide did he spread his legs when he said yeah that guy him. was like presenting he was definitely he was, presenting he was on the prowl he would be uh the bleach girl's victim for sure yeah do you know the subway beat bleach girl no she pours bleach on men who leave their legs wide open Whoa. it's not cool uh, <laughs> that's very dangerous oh uh, yeah um wow that's that's insane but yeah yeah that was one of the things i noticed i was like you're the worst kind yeah. of person he is douchey as hell and he also looks like he's from like a movie from 1987 oh yeah he looks like he's from wall street uh -huh. or something like he's heading to go meet charlie sheen or something to do some coke or some shit and like the funny thing is is like ian malcolm seems to be very widely known in this film because yeah. This guy approaches him. He's like, I believe you about the dinosaurs. Like, I completely believe you. And then there are these other women who are like off to the side yeah. who are also staring at him like, oh, my God, that's that guy. Yeah. So it's like, how much did you put yourself out there? I know. The last movie? It's weird because I think in the timeline of the movie, like basically as much time as has happened in real life. Mm -hmm. It's like about four in, years. I yeah, like four years. And yeah, I'm sure when he got back to the States 
And you got to imagine he probably had some recovery time after his injuries and everything. He got back to the States and had to book shows and stuff. But that probably happened at least a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. That would be like an Octomom situation. Like you're a flash in the pan kind of thing. I found it a little hard to believe that he would still be recognized by sight like that. But maybe Ian Malcolm was somebody who was like a talking head on new shows or yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe we don't really that- get to, to see what exactly it is that he did. But one of the things that comes up after is like he goes over to Dr. Hammond's home because he's called him over for some reason. And he's talking to, is it his nephew or something? Uh, who, Ludlow? Yes, Ludlow. Uh, he, yeah, I think it's his nephew. Uh, and he's talking to that guy and he's like, Ian Malcolm, after the whole uh, situation on Jurassic Park, he went everywhere he could to tell the truth because InGen covered it all up yeah. saying that it was like some kind of accident or whatever there are three people that they say died but wasn't there more than there were at least four or Th- five. i counted about four because there was samuel l jackson uh-huh. uh mr arnold muldoon Gennaro. who was Gennaro? uh he was the lawyer the guy that okay, died yes, in the bathroom yes if you want to count the guy at the very beginning of the movie who died the I worker don't count him okay well even in this <laughs> uh dennis nedry uh-huh. also died and i guess that's it so four yeah four so, so i was like who did maybe they not find out about dennis or like, yeah what? they must not have known about dennis like because uh, he tried to escape and yeah yeah uh he got eaten yeah but then what i liked about it was that they like he mentions specifically like yeah i was telling the truth but i took no money by telling the truth yes. every gig i booked and everything like it was all just me going out there telling everyone the truth and i got no money for it because this ludlow guy is like accusing him of exploiting him himself in the park and all that stuff right malcolm is a noble guy he just wants to protect other people from mm-hmm. this thing happening again and he wants engine ultimately to pay for what they caused right and actually there is a deleted scene of ludlow where we're supposed to meet him the first time in a boardroom explaining kind of like an expo dump of what's happened since the first movie, how they actually handled it, like the amounts of money that they paid everybody. Mm. I mean, it went anywhere from like 65 to like 12 million. It like went down wow. as he went. Like Gennaro got the most money. Arnold got like, his family got like 32 million. Muldoon's got like 12 million. And he went on and then he talked about the little girl getting attacked and said similarly, like she's fine. She's recovering. Mm. And the scene continues. It's a great way to sum up everything that's happened right. and all the shit that went down in Jurassic Park. And uh, the very first part of the scene is like this great wonder where it's like one shot kind of like circling this giant conference room table. And it ends up on a close up of Ludlow himself Mm. when he's ousting John Hammond from his own company. I know why they took it out because a it was unnecessary because if you're coming to this, then you saw the last movie and Ian and Ludlow have this conversation. But also, it's a pretty slow scene. I Like, adult me would have liked it. <laughs> adult <laughs> yeah, me. Kid me would have been like, why are you watching Yeah, this? adult <laughs> me loved it because, honestly, anytime that I have seen a movie a million times and I all of a sudden get to see something brand new mm. from that same movie, even though it's a tertiary character who I hate. But it explains something. That yeah. Because especially in the sequel, like, you're learning, how, like, the transition. Like, what we know all this stuff happened on the in the first one. Now we're here. How did we get here? Yeah. It's nice. It does have some backstory explaining things, but lifting it from the movie made no difference because we get everything. True. Yeah. We anyway. eventually find out things and we could just like assume. Yeah. Arliss Howard plays Ludlow and he's just slime. <laughs> he's a slime ball. He's the worst. He's like that kind of British that just gets under your skin, like so posh mm-hmm. and so aggravating. Like 
He always thinks he's right. And, and no one treats him with respect in this film. <laughs> which I, I do love that. Like, the film has a very strict moral code for the most part, and it sticks to that, and mm-hmm. it makes him look like an asshole yeah. the entire time. It's great. But uh, we actually get Lex and Tim for a brief moment. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, they're grown up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Lex looks exactly like Kirsten Dunst. I always thought that they yeah. had a similar look, yeah. but she looks like Kirsten Dunst from Jumanji specifically. Mm-hmm is what she looks like in this movie. Uh, they don't really add anything to it. It's just nice to see him. Nice to see him, yes. Yeah. Nice little cameos. And uh, similarly, we go up, and now we're seeing John Hammond. Ian goes up. He has no idea why Hammond summoned him, right. but he has. And we come to find out that there's a Site B. Like I said earlier, there's another entire island where the dinosaurs were bred, which I guess finally makes sense of that first scene in Jurassic Park where they have the giant container with the raptor. Because mm. I always wondered, like, where were they moving the raptor from? They have a raptor pen where they all live. Right. So yeah. where are they moving it from? So I guess that makes a little bit more sense now. And Site B is still active. Somehow the dinosaurs have survived. Life found a way. Even though as, they didn't have that enzyme that yeah, they Yeah, the lysine contingency did not, <laughs> did not happen. So ultimately, the villain of the entire series is B.D. Wong, the Dr. Wu. Yes. Uh, who, who's overtly the villain in the new movies. In the new ones too, yeah. For some fucking reason. He's in <laughs> one scene in the first movie for like five seconds, and he's just like a nice young man. So I don't know. I guess they can afford him and get him. But he's the one that tells everyone about the lysine contingency mm-hmm. in the first one. Obviously, he made it up, and he fucked up, <laughs> and didn't realize well, that. because there was lysine in all the plants, Yeah, apparently. they ate, like, soy-rich things, which has lysine, and then the carnivores eat the herbivores. So there you go. Way to fuck it up. Woo, you dum-dum. Yeah, he, he Hammond explains that they were supposed to die within, like, seven days yeah. because they weren't getting these enzymes. And much in the same way that they were able to switch sexes so they could breed. Similarly, they're roaming free on this island, mm-hmm. and Hammond wants to preserve that island. Uh, however, we will come to find out the rest of his company wants to exploit it. He wants to preserve it by documenting, by showing people that this is a self-contained island. No worries, man. Like, if we can just show <laughs> these things living in their natural habitat. But just- also, like, John Hammond is such a fucking liar. Because yeah. he leaves out so so much information which we learned throughout the film like oh now this bullshit is happening and he knew about it like fuck this guy like he okay thank you for giving us dinosaurs yeah but at the same time fuck you you like keep all the information that we need to know yeah and i know richard attenborough likes to play this movie like he is santa claus but it is like man there's a lot of dark shit behind this guy. He's, because the, he's got like Machiavellian machinations. The first secret is like kind of the one of the most important secrets, which is that he's set up this team and he starts going through and he cleverly, he, he has like files of yeah. each team member. And he's like, we got this journalist or whatever, this photographer, yeah. we've got this guy. And then he's like, oh, we have a paleontologist. And he like kind of hides the, yeah. the the file under his arm, doesn't say her name or anything. He's yep. like, Ed, I want you to be the fourth guy. And why he hands Malcolm his own file. I know, like, who, look at your accomplishments. I, you know, he's a showman. That John Hammond, <laughs> that's what he does. Yeah, and what he's not revealing is that this insane crew of people that are going onto this dangerous-ass island, Jurassic Park, but without any of the security measures, mm-hmm. without any of the fences, who's the last person in the the crew ian's girlfriend sarah harding yep and he's like you know what bruh this is no longer a science uh, expedition op- it's not a it's no longer an observation expedition this motherfucker is a, a rescue rescue mission. mission baby so we're off so we go to where the equipment is being held like a big warehouse with mm-hmm. all this fancy mercedes-benz equipment they had a tie-in with mercedes apparently <laughs> and uh, we meet eddie and nick van owen eddie 
is a schlubby guy. Uh, I don't have his name in front of me. I don't have his name either. However, he is currently a doctor on The Good Doctor. Oh, yeah. I noticed his face and I was like, why do you look so goddamn familiar? Looked him up and I was like, you're on a show I watch every week. He's one of those like guy that was in that thing. He's one of those character actors that you've just seen in everything. And a fresh face Vince Vaughn is Nick (laughs) Van Owen. And I was like, ooh, look at you, Vince Vaughn. I know, all young and skinny and not sad at all. Uh -uh. Uh, This was like right after he did Swingers. Like Mm. uh, the story goes, I'm sure everybody's heard it, but to get the Jaws music approved to be in Swingers, there's a scene where He's scamming on some girl, like looking at her in the party. Spielberg had to watch that scene from Swingers, or maybe he watched the entire movie, but he was so impressed with Vince Vaughn in that performance that he's like, oh, I'm going to put him in my next movie too. Oh, wow. Interesting. It's, he's kind of like, uh, Spielberg's kind of like the Oprah of directors. Like, you, <laughs> you get, get a part. A you get a part. Yeah. Um, so he put Vince Vaughn in this, and I was impressed because finally, after, you know, two movies and, and Jeff Goldblum being in a zillion things, somebody else is as tall as Jeff Goldblum. Mm. I think maybe the only other time was Transylvania 65,000 with Ed Begley Jr. <laughs> I never saw it. <laughs> yeah, the, I unfortunately did. The less said about that, the better. But we meet these guys, and they just seem like good, not exactly roughneck kind of guys. They just seem like good dudes. Mm-hmm, intelligent. And we meet the aforementioned daughter, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's being dropped in. off that I we find out by guess? her mother who like ran to Paris to like vacation or something I, and was like, you're spending time with your dad? Guess. That's I, kind of the story that I, we got. I, I, yeah, there's a lot of things that are said in the scene between him, uh, between Ian and his daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could never quite piece together exactly what the story was. I didn't know if like the mom had already gone to Paris and... She was with somebody else, like an aunt or a grandma or mm-hmm. something like that. And then that person dropped her off to Ian or what? Yeah, she's got to be there because we've got to have a kid. Yeah, <laughs> got to have a kid in there somewhere. Got to uh-huh. have that Lex and Tim, that entry point for children mm-hmm. everywhere. And uh, and no, she's great. She's precocious. She's kind of like Lex and Tim in a blender because Lex is so like laid back, but very capable. And uh, Tim was a little bit more brainy and yes you know so she's kind of like a little bit of both of them yeah you know little elements but at the same time her own holy new creation yeah but ultimately he says no no man you're gonna stay with a friend i'm gonna be back in a few days you know famous last words obviously Mm. they're like discussing this whole thing about like you can't come with me and she's like i never get to see you you always do this and yada 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 and then in the end, he's like being called down for whatever reason. He has to go. And he's like, I'm sorry. You know what? Don't listen to me. That's the best advice I could give you. And she's like, okay. Okay. Yeah. You ain't going to listen to you then. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we cut to the boat where they're they're off to La Isla Bonita. Oh, one of the things that, uh, that we, okay. So something that happens that I like uh, and I found interesting is that when they're on the boat, the uh, Vince Vaughn, uh, Nick, is arguing with the, the captain of this boat. Uh-huh. And he the captain's like, I'm not docking. No way. I will drop you guys, like, here in this ocean. You guys can boat further out. But, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, like, dock. I'm leaving or whatever. And we come to learn that the people around there called these islands... Uh, what is it? The Los Cinco. Los Cinco. Oh, trust me, it's called Los Cinco Muertos. Me and my buddies were obsessed with that for some reason. And when they're showing the map of all the islands, one of them is called Isla Muerta. I was like, mm, oh, don't definitely. I don't would go like to, to go to that island. Yeah, don't go to that one. That but one, dinosaurs are there. Uh, yeah, yeah, seriously, those are the real thing. That's just nothing but raptors. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it's just raptor <laughs> heaven. Yeah, he won't go to the island because there's the legends of. All the bad shit that happens. Mm-hmm. But obviously the yachting couple didn't 
heed that warning no. or didn't know about well, it. Well, they were white. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know. Maybe the locals were like, yeah, you guys go to that island. They that's a, like, that's no, a great place favor, to go. Que en acá. And then they were like, huh? Yeah. Okay, so darling. Uh, was uh, Vince Vaughn Spanish? Like, It was not good. I mean, like. It's fluent, I guess. It sounded fluent, but yeah. it wasn't like great. I was just curious from somebody who can actually speak it. Uh, I mean, he sounded like a white guy speaking Spanish. Yeah, that's what I, it felt like that to me. Like rewatching <laughs> it now, I always just kind of took it for what it was. But uh-huh. paying more attention this time, I was like, "This sounds kind of <laughs> like not right." Like you learned this on the day, uh-huh. kind of thing. Uh, possibly, it, he came off as someone who knew the language but didn't speak it. Right, sort of like me pronouncing sense. your name. Like, I know your sure. name. I know in my brain how it should be pronounced. <laughs> Maybe better than that. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, my question is, did they take this boat the entire way? I think so. Because, like, that's a pretty small vessel. Like, how long is the flight? Because they are going, I believe, from San Diego to Cuba? where? Cuba? No, it's Costa Rica. Costa Rica. There you go. So that's quite a journey. Yeah. That's and not then, like a one-day. they day... had to get their equipment, their cars, their vehicles and everything. They're huge-ass vehicles. Yeah, there's a lot of island, shit. So I don't really know how they got all that stuff on. Yeah, I have a lot of logistical questions about maybe, this. Maybe Engine, like, supplied that. I don't know, oh, maybe. you know what? But John Hammond was doing this little expedition yeah, without them, so I don't like know. clandestine. I guess, you know, who cares, <laughs> ultimately? Like, that's a dumb <laughs> question. people want to know. Yeah. Like, I want the movie about just them getting on <laughs> the and off. Where's that the logistics. scene? Um, but, uh, so I have those questions, and there's obviously another boat that's coming back to the States later that I'm like, how long was this going? Like, mm-hmm. how long did Kelly, like, live in that trailer? Because it could be, like, a week. Mm-hmm. You know, did they never go into the trailer and see her and see the giant mess she was making? Well, apparently not. The movie acts like it was a day. Like, <laughs> it, like really it was does. just, like, an o- one overnight boat ride. But boats are slow, man. <laughs> um, but they finally get to the island. They set up camp on a cliff conveniently. Mm. A beautiful view. Uh, Hammond specifically told them they had to stay on the outskirts of the uh, island right. because all the dinosaurs were very territorial and they were going to be in the center. And specifically, so the, to... the carnivores are yes. all in the center. So they just want to basically document like the nice, peaceful animals, the triceratops, the uh, hadrosaurs of the, the stegosaurs, world. Stegosaurs. Stegosaurs. Yeah. And speaking of stegosaurs, they go hunting for our friend Sarah Harding. Mm-hmm. A funny exchange between Malcolm and Nick Van Owen, where Nick Van Owen's like, Sarah Harding. <laughs> so good. And uh, Jeff Goldblum's like, how many Sarahs are there on this island? It's so good. Because like, he's about to yell her name again, and he like has to stop and yeah. be like, what are you doing? <laughs> now, I will say this about the performance by Jeff Goldblum. It's a very different characterization of Malcolm. I feel like the level of charisma and eccentricity... It's definitely tapered on this. It's mm-hmm. definitely a different take on this guy. Well, he does feel like more of a responsible, like, dad, I yeah. guess. Because, I mean, I guess they're trying to portray him as a dad. But, like, I, I, I did get that. He seemed less, like, cool. Definitely less cool. <laughs> uh, like, obviously, his hair is shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have the big, poofy, like, mullet, mm-hmm. which only Jeff Goldblum could make that haircut yeah. work. Uh, he's not wearing the cool sunglasses anymore. He still has a leather jacket. There's a little <laughs> yeah. bit of cool left in there. But I don't know if it was like a choice from Spielberg and from Goldblum, but the fact that maybe it's because he went through trauma and was just fucked up by what happened in Jurassic Park. Mm. Like, it kind of took some of his zest for life out yeah. of him. But it was just something that I sort of realized coming into this movie and watching it from a, a deeper perspective. I've always enjoyed it because I just love him. And he has, like, a ton of one-liners. So there's still, like, that snark and that humor there. Yeah. But I do feel like 
his he's he, a bit more subdued. Yeah, he was turned from eleven down to like a six, maybe something like that. We'll you know, like a seven. Yeah, we'll say a seven. <laughs> he's still pretty good. He's still pretty good. But they find Sarah, played by Julianne Moore. Yes. And I know I had seen her in The Fugitive before this. Uh, but I had not seen her in a lot of stuff, and she's one of my favorite actresses. Mm-hmm. This is not her greatest role. No. But I do think that Sarah is cool. I think if she weren't Ian's girlfriend, it would make her better. Yeah, she was she was that cool person because she's adventurous. She's kind of carefree. Like, she's just, like, doing it for herself yeah. kind of woman. Yeah. And she's really smart and wise mm-hmm. and passionate about what she's doing and passionate about yeah. protecting these like, animals. The, the, the moment that, like, they all kind of get together, she's, like, just going crazy about these these dinosaurs, the amazing things she's been seeing, the amazing things that she's been documenting. She talks about, like, the way that the T-Rexes... Uh, you know, behave with each other and that they're more like a family than they are separate. Yeah. Like she's just like going on with all these details and Malcolm or Ian's just like, no, we need to like have a serious yeah. conversation. Oh, we got to go, boo. <laughs> and But he would never call her boo. Uh, and they don't share any physical intimacy the entire movie. There's one moment that's, where they share a hug. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Like, I don't know if that was just trying to keep her in a professional setting. Like she's at work right now, so she's not going to like hug and kiss him. But they don't share a kiss the entire movie. But in the first one, did Laura Dern and Sam Neill share a kiss? They felt more intimate somehow. They did. They felt like they were best friends and lovers. Because just the way they looked at each other and like respected each other, I think, came across way more than Ian and Sarah in this film. Yeah. And obviously, Ian and Sadler had hella chemistry in the last movie because Mm -hmm. Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern would go off and be in a relationship for a while after the filming of that movie. I did not know that. Yeah. So they were together. I don't know how long they were together, but for a little while. And... That definitely carried over. You could tell Laura Dern was interested in this man. Mm. And again, somebody else who's tall enough to rival <laughs> Malcolm. Uh, so, I, yeah, I didn't feel the intimacy between her and uh, Sam Neill the same way. But there was something there between them, like a connection yeah. there that I'm not seeing in Ian and Sarah. Yeah, it and just I, felt like they were a couple for as long as they were a couple. The, the impression uh, that Sam Neill's character and uh Laura Dern's character gave off. It just felt like they were a real couple and maybe they were past that like lovey-dovey phase. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to be like touching and kissing right. all the time but to like, prove that you're a couple. Ian and Sarah did not have anything. Yeah. There was no chemistry. Yeah, like when she sees him, she's been off on this island for God knows how long, days. They haven't spoken to each other. He came out here like a freaking white knight to come and rescue her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, hey. Yeah. And she just keeps running off to go look at Stagus horses and stuff. Doesn't even like give him a pat on the shoulder. Yeah. And I was like, man, if I were you, <laughs> I'd want to give him a kiss. I'm not you. And I want to give Jeff Goldblum yeah, a kiss, obviously. Fair, yeah. Like, I want to hug him. Like, that guy looks very huggable. I mean, maybe there's something we didn't know behind the scenes maybe. going on. <laughs> Doubt it. Maybe they just couldn't get it together. Maybe. Who knows? But I, as far as I know, the backstory was that Sarah came and found him. Once she heard about the stories from Jurassic Park, when Ian was yes. still recovering in a Costa Rican hospital, she came and sought him out. Yes. And that's when their relationship started. So maybe, like... I don't think this thing's meant to last. No. They're not going to put Ian Malcolm in the third Jurassic World movie and bring Julianne Moore in as his wife. It's like, oh, Sarah and Ian got married. No, that, that <laughs> is definitely not the case. Mm. So, But besides that, I mean, I like their relationship. Uh, I actually think that Sarah and Nick Van Owen have more chemistry than, oh, yeah. than oh, Ian yeah. and Sarah. For sure. So 
I don't know why that is. Like I said, how you could not love Jeff Goldblum, who knows? <laughs> but whatever the case, uh, they find her. She's checking out some stegosauruses. Mm-hmm. We get our first like big money shot of dinosaurs in the movie. Yeah. And I feel similar to this as when we get the brontosaurus in the first one. Like this is probably, honestly, the fakest the dinosaurs look the entire movie. Yeah. The visual effects are good. Don't get me wrong. They're better than some movies that come out now. But at the same time, at the high level that this operates on, because they are fully digital, yeah, they look a little artificial. I think it's because maybe they were bigger. They're big and they take up a lot of the screen and probably just way more noticeable. But I don't know about you, but I was a big Stegosaurus fan as a kid. No, not particularly. What were your favorite dinosaurs? Definitely the Brachiosaurus is because apparently Brontosauruses are not real. Uh, <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes, folks. It's whatever, man. Uh, yeah, we we grew up calling them fucking brontosaurus. Yeah. I still call uh, them brontosaurus. And I think the reason for that is because of Land Before Time. Little Foot. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Little Foot. One of my favorite movies. God, that movie that still movie makes me is, cry. Oh, heart strings tugged every single time. It, that's, that's a sad-ass movie. <laughs> yeah, that's very sad. Um, so Brachiosaurus is your number one, yeah, huh? Yeah. yeah. What a gentle them. soul you have. Yeah, long ass bitches. Yeah, I love, I love, love a long ass bitch. Love a long ass so you didn't bitch. like T Rexes or Triceratops or any of the violent yeah, ones? No, I wasn't. I didn't care. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I just I don't know why. I mean, no, I get it, man. I was a big fan of a show called Dino Riders. Did you ever hear about that? Dino. That may have been Riders. before your time. Is it the one where they're like humanoid bodies, but then they had dinosaur? No, no, okay. no. This is incorrect. This is a show where an alien species and a human species are at war and somehow they go through a wormhole or something and end up going into the past to dinosaur times and all the bad guys basically collect all the mean dinosaurs like the bad guys collect t-rexes they have little head things uh they put little machines on the dinosaurs heads Mm. to control their minds and then they basically like just strap a bunch of rockets and shit to them and (laughs) and then the good guys have these headbands that peacefully communicate with the dinosaurs. Like the the mean dinosaurs are subjugated. The nice dinosaurs do it more of their free will. They could just communicate more freely. They and, weren't they didn't talk the dinosaurs. No, no, they didn't okay. they didn't speak. They, they were animals. And I mean the good guys still strapped rockets and shit to the dinosaurs, but like the Brachiosaurus, I remember, or the Brontosaurus or whatever, had like two giant tubes on its side and they opened up and it was like a shitload of missiles and like you could put your action <laughs> figures in there. It was badass. When when was this cartoon? Uh, probably like early mid eighties. Uh, of course. Yeah, it was great. Strap and, rockets on a thing. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still am shocked that nobody's picked up that IP to turn it into something. <laughs> I remember reaching out to my agent one time. Oh no! And being like, like he asked me for any IP. It's like, oh, if you ever see an IP you want to do, and I think he meant like if I was walking around a you know, comic convention and found like a comic that sold like ten copies. Like and you that. said no. I know the. And I was line. like, give me, give me Voltron. Rocketeer and Dino Riders. And he was like, yeah, that's not going to work. You're, oh my God. Those are all already in progress. But anyway, I'm surprised Dino Riders would be like a Michael Bay thing, like for sure. It would be badass. A T Rex. All right, the T Rex's legs had like buzz saws <laughs> attached to it. I'm not shitting. Buzz saws and like lasers and like a frogman was the bad guy. What? It was awesome. <laughs> And I only ever found it at this one store called Wilbro. Mm. Did that exist anywhere no. else? Must have just been like a general store. Not a general store, but Will like... Wilbro. Wilbro. W-I-L-B-R-O? I don't think there was a W there. But yeah, Wilbro was like this giant like 
department store that had everything. And that was the only place I ever found the Dino Riders. And if you got a big one, like the Brontosaurus, the T-Rex, or like the Stegosaurus or whatever, you would get a cartoon, a video with it. Oh. And that's the only time I ever saw the cartoons. It was never on TV, to my knowledge. They only produced So like, they got you through the toys. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's how Transformers came mm. to be. Like, there were toys first. Uh, I'm shocked that it didn't take off more, but man, Dino Riders were cool. But yeah, they uh, they had a Stegosaurus on the good guy side. Okay. Because uh, Stegosauruses are pretty badass. And uh, so I was always spikes. in love with them. Yeah, those, those spikes, spikes and, and those blades. Spiky tail. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they strapped a laser rocket <laughs> to the Stegosaurus <laughs> on his tiny little head. Mm. Uh, but I loved that. And, uh, and I still love these Stegosaurus, even though they look kind of fake in this. I still <laughs> like the scene. I think it's cool. So Sarah goes up to like a baby stegosaurus. She's got her camera and everything. She's very excited about Which, it. Which this is practical. Yes. This is a puppet. This is a puppet. And it looks and, great. And it does. And I like, the funny thing is you see uh, Ian in the background and he's like, what? She, she's trying to touch it. She always has to touch it. She always sees, she sees the things and she has to touch it. And I just like love that moment because it's like, I I would totally be that person. Yeah. Who would get all giddy and be like, ah, dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I love, that was still when like Ian still has a sense of humor. He kind of loses it after a certain point in this mm-hmm. movie where it, where it becomes just like, we just got to fucking move and yeah. get to the end of this fucking movie, man. <laughs> uh, but this is when he's still being funny and yeah. kind of pithy. Uh, but eventually Sarah's camera starts to make noise. Yeah, and it's it out tri- of film, so it's got to rewind. Yeah, and it trips out the little baby dinosaur, which cries out for its mother. And uh, in some good shots, uh, the like I said, the visual effects could be better. But the shots where like the stegosaurus all circle her. Mm-hmm. And have her surrounded. And they get in like a triangular formation. There's three of them. Mm-hmm. It's like pretty scary. Like if I were Sarah, I'd be freaked out. Well, one of the things that I like about this movie that is so different from the first one is that it does really feel, once we get to a certain point, it feels like a thriller, yeah. like an adventure thriller type of movie because eventually shit's hitting the fan and they're always on the run. And yeah. like they're always trying to get away from dinosaurs, basically. Yeah. And, and I love that. Like in the first film... Yeah, we have some of those moments, but I feel like it's more of an adventure than it is like a thriller. Whereas this one, like you feel tense a yeah. lot of the times watching them try to escape. That's true. And I think that this movie, maybe another reason people didn't like it is because it, it does stray so far mm-hmm. from the outline of the original. Uh, again, we did Ghostbusters 2 last episode. And a lot of that episode, we talked about how the second one parallels the first one. They're very similar movies structurally. This one throws the rule book out for what a Jurassic Park movie should look like. And I feel like maybe that unsettles certain people, but I'm with you that it does keep me on the edge of my seat way more. Mm -hmm. And it's what Spielberg does great, which is like every time you think that things are going to be okay, he just adds another level of danger or menace yeah. to something. Which we will get to like in the middle of this film oh, geez. where it's like, we're safe. No, we're not. We're safe. No, we're not. Like <laughs> it's it, a lot of that real quick. About to give me heart palpitations <laughs> watching this movie. Uh, and I think that's why I liked it as a kid. I was just like on the edge of my fucking seat for yeah. the entire movie. Besides just the fact that it's got great characters, one of which uh, we'll meet soon, who's just fantastic. But uh, eventually, the only thing I don't like about the scene with Sarah, one of the stegosaurus swings his tail at her. She ducks it. She goes, hides in a log, and they stab through it. And it's like, whoa, how is she going to get out of this one? And then she climbs out of the log, and they walk up, and they're like, oh, yeah, they left. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, we, we don't see any shots of them running off. We don't see any shots of the baby wobbling off, which would have been real cute. <laughs> uh, it's just like, there's a couple of scenes like that in this movie where it's like, oh, I guess it left. 
Right. Cool, man. But besides that, you know, we got our our moment of thrills and chills, and we got to see a as yet unseen great dinosaur on the screen, mm-hmm. which we all love. Uh, or at least I loved when I was a kid, so I was pretty thrilled. But at this point, Sarah is brought back to the camp. They see a fire, and we see Kelly mm-hmm. has stowed away, <laughs> uh, not listening to her father's advice. And uh, Well, she did. Or did, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he said, what are you doing here? And she said, well, you told me not to listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> She's Ooh. like, I thought that meant come on the trip. Oh, man, what a what a trap <laughs> she just got him in. He's like, fuck. Yeah. I have no rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's some good character work here between Ian and Sarah, between Ian and Kelly. Again, the Ian and Kelly stuff works a lot better. Mm-hmm. The father-daughter stuff works really well. Yeah. I love when he kicks her out of the trailer but as soon as she opens the door he's like no 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 don't go out there <laughs> stay, out there. stay in here I love that I don't know if you noticed this but I thought one of the cool things that the whoever did the set inside this trailer you know she's made a mess of everything but also if you look on the corner there's a pillow and a blanket I did, yeah. on the floor and I was like hell yeah like yeah. they paid attention yeah Good. they did <laughs> so that yeah while they're cleaning it up uh, obviously Ian's giving Kelly what for and he's also kind of like taking uh, Sarah to task like why did you do this and she's like basically setting up what should be his arc that we don't really see fulfilled which is like you always leave me when I need you right you you it's great that you showed up now but like when we when we had a dinner with your parents you didn't show up when we had this event you didn't you abandoned me for right. these things that's when I need you like here out in the wild like this is what I do like I'm fine here mm-hmm. and it's great that you showed up but anyway so you think that they're going to go through this like relationship transformation Spoiler alert, they don't. It never happens. Their relationship no. does not change. They're still just like good buds. <laughs> just real good buds that call each other boyfriend and girlfriend. I think it's just a matter of convenience at this point. Yeah. It's just so they don't have to be single, but they <laughs> don't sleep in the same bed. Obviously, they don't live in the same city. No. Or else he would fucking have known that she was gone. They didn't, They must have not talked for a week. Yeah, well, even she mentions that is that, like, what I love about you is that you want your independence. You don't want to, like, live together or anything. So I can just, like, go off and do what I need to do when yep. I need to do it. And, yeah, he He's, had no idea she was gone for, like, three days. He sounds like a terrible boyfriend, by the way, <laughs> which I could have guessed that. I mean. Yeah. He's always looking for the next ex-Mrs. Malcolm. So, mm, yes. you know, she's been smart enough to not marry him, at least. Yeah. So there's that. Or or have a baby with him. So she's not, like, <laughs> tied to him in any way. But mm. but it's some good, you know, some good relationship stuff. Ian's struggling with the technology on the thing. Their fucking satellite phone never works, uh, which is like a runner for the beginning of the movie and, again, disappears. Well, I guess all the equipment disappears at one point, literally. Yeah. Gets blown <laughs> yeah. up real good. They could have just used a fucking cell phone. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have cell phones. 1997. I know, man. I know. <laughs> the times they have changed, and now it'd be very different. They're trying to figure out a way to get uh, Kelly off this island. And as they are, uh, Sarah's also, like, telling everyone, like, we don't leave a footprint. Like, don't smoke cigarettes. Don't start fires. Like, we are invisible, practically. We have an antiseptic presence here. And meanwhile, as she said this, we hear a rumbling in the background. Mm-hmm. And it's a bunch of fucking choppers flying in all bearing the engine logo, obviously mm-hmm. John Hammond's company we've mentioned before. And they're like, wait a minute, why are they here? And just as soon as we've gotten the speech from Sarah, we cut to the ground, an engine has hit the ground running. Oh, yeah. They are here to take these dinosaurs home with them, and they are trashing shit. Like, they are. They really are. They've got all their vehicles just, like, going through everything. They're taking down dinosaurs, like, very violently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, man, the scene, I remember just 
absolutely just having a geek boner during this scene because <laughs> so many dinosaurs all mingled together. Mm-hmm. It's not a brontosaurus, but it's like a brontosaurus-ish dinosaur that like a motorcycle is driving through the legs. Right. And just like the visual effects in this are great. Yeah. Whereas the stegosaurus was a little bit iffy. Like all the effects on this scene are wonderful. And they have the uh, the uh, hadrosaurs, which are like the big fin head mm-hmm. fin guys and the pachycephalosaurus which is the <laughs> the bald ones that uh-huh. like ram shit that had which a big feature had role in the nine inch thick skulls wow that's like pretty... apparently that's what the they said in the in the film the, yeah like, scientist guy that was working for engine right who was like nerding out on the dinosaurs yeah and i was like that's thick that's real thick that's that, real thick yeah i mean i guess i had tiny brains so i guess it could it could work that way <laughs> uh but this is where we get to meet at least my favorite new character of the movie, Roland. You like the hunter? I love them. I do not like the hunter. He what? was like, I don't remember the guy's name in the first film, but him part two. Oh, Muldoon? Yes. He's way better than Muldoon. <laughs> and I love Muldoon, don't get me he wrong. He is better than Muldoon, but he was like, I still, I couldn't stand him. Um, Although he does go through something at the end, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, he has the, maybe the best arc of the movie out of any, but he's kind of the only character with a bit of an arc. Mm. And it's a pretty small arc. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, are you not a fan of that actor, Pete Possible? No, 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 no. It's not the actor. It's just that person. Because, like, he comes off very aggressive. He tells Ludwood. Lud- Ludlow. Ludlow. <laughs> uh, Tom. He tells Tom. He tells Tom. Um, you know what? We're on this expedition. Do not pay me the fee. My fee is hunting a Tyrannosaurus. I want the mail. Don't ask me what I want it for. Don't ask me any questions about it. That's my fee. Getting to hunt the mail, preferably alive or whatever. Like, that is my fee. And it's just like he had that like whole like man hunter mentality. Yeah. You know? Just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. But he's a he's a badass dude. And Ludlow's like, all right, let's set up base camp here. And he's like. No, this is a game trail. If you want to have a buffet, then great. By all means, set up camp. But we should get downwind. We should get to somewhere mm-hmm. safe. We should get to higher ground. Once again, as you said, giving no respect to Ludlow, which the <laughs> guy doesn't like, deserve. He's any. like, first of all, you're not in charge. <laughs> yeah, he really is in charge. Uh, I'm the captain now. Yeah, He is fantastic. I just love the presence that he has. And I feel like there's more character there than maybe was even on the page. Like on the page, he is just your standard like hunter guy, but he's not like a tough guy. Like there's some vulnerability there. There's some um, kindness that we see throughout the movie. Like he does care, even though these other people sabotage their mission later in the film, like he helps them in a lot of ways. Yeah, that is true. I I did note one time where they're walking, he's walking through, something happens to someone, I think they die or something, and uh, he tells Sarah, like, make sure the girl doesn't see this, or whatever, yeah, and I was exactly. like, oh, that's kind of yeah, sweet. Yeah, he, he cares, which show, which is just more depth than you normally get for that type of role. Right. And honestly, Pete Postlethwaite is just a great actor. Uh, I saw somewhere that Steven Spielberg himself called Pete Postlethwaite <laughs> the world's best actor. I was watching a behind-the-scenes thing, actually, from The Lost World, and Peter Stormare, who's a great actor himself, was... I guess at Video Village, and they were just watching a scene where Pete Poffles, Poffles, Postlethwaite, it's a hard name to say, <laughs> uh, was just checking for some like T Rex tracks, like no lines or anything. And Spielberg like leaned over to Peter Stormare and was like, that's a great actor. One day, <laughs> one day you'll be that good. And I, I don't disagree. I think Pete Postlethwaite is awesome and just a great screen presence mm-hmm. and uh, a cool guy. And I'm really glad he was in this movie because I feel like he elevates a lot, in my you're, opinion. You're turning me. <laughs> I'll get you on the side you're of Roland me. by the end of this. Uh, and he's also got this relationship with RJ, who's mm-hmm. like his assistant. Ajay. Ajay. <laughs> which I took 
even when I was a kid, I was like, oh, those guys are together. Did you ever get no. that? Really? I always felt like there was like, maybe not they're together now, but there was a history between them. No, I didn't get that at all. I felt like it was more of a, like a, this is my sort of assistant guy who's always on expeditions with me. And we just have like a very, very mutual respect for each other. Oh. I did not get that. But if I think about it now, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Next time you watch the movie, like look at it from that perspective. I always thought that those guys were really close. And I always got just a... Not a femme quality from Roland in this movie, but I don't know. I got a like a feeling that maybe he was gay or mm. maybe there I was totally bi see it, yeah. or something like that, despite the fact that he's a super macho character. And I think it maybe roots back to this is also a different time mm-hmm. in movies and a different time in my life. I think I was like 15 or 16 when this came out. And I think because he was like a macho dude who also showed vulnerability and kindness – that made me be like, there's no way he's straight because he's nice. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's yeah. a dumb, very uh, reductive way to put it. Hey, but no, that's what we had. Yeah, pretty <laughs> it's much. what we had. Pretty much. <laughs> Again, that's what makes me think that there's more depth to this guy. Yeah, no, I like that. Stop it. <laughs> I, hey, I, like I said, I'll get you on a side. I didn't want to like I'm telling him. you, this, this, movie, this show is called Here's Why It's Great. And like, <laughs> maybe not every aspect of this movie is great, but. But that character is great. I yeah, love that no, character. Yeah, you're no, give, you're giving him more depth than I ever <laughs> would have considered. I have a tendency to do that. Um, <laughs> did you watch either of the deleted scenes or only the two? No, because I was watching it. I bought it on Amazon Video. I, because I would have had to pay for it, I was like, fine, I'll get up. I'll put in the Blu-ray. <laughs> and the Blu-ray had like a wealth of stuff. I didn't even get through it all because there was so much of it. Uh, when but I, I was younger, I did have the VHS that at the end it had some extra features, uh-huh. or maybe it was like a two VHS thing. Ooh. So one of them was the film, and then the other one was the special feature. There was an hour long behind the scenes thing that I, I didn't do, have a chance to watch. One thing that I specifically remember is when they're showing like how they did the effect of when Jeff Goldblum is uh, protecting himself against a velociraptor with the oh, door, yeah. and he like and has he to slam it head. into himself. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. I, d- I watched that one. There was like a 15-minute one, like a 30-minute one, and then an hour-long one. Uh-huh. I didn't get to watch the hour-long, but I watched the other two. Uh, they were great. It was just fun to watch these of the time, uh, these shots just behind yeah, the scenes, like flying a wall kind of things. Yeah. But there's a deleted scene with Roland where he's in Kenya, and uh, RJ, uh, I'm just going to call him RJ because, again, back to my... <laughs> I think it's like literally A-J-A-Y. A-J? A-J? Okay, so, all right. A-J. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't doing an accent. <laughs> no, 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 no. I thought you were. <laughs> no. I thought you were doing his accent. Okay, so A-J comes and uh, visits him at Kenya at like a bar. It's very much like when we meet Nedry in the first movie, Palapas and what have you. And he's drinking alone. And A-J says, hey, I've got something for you. Basically, Roland's like, nah, not interested. I've hunted everything. And he's like, oh, oh, but you haven't hunted this. And they're talking about it. And while they're talking about it, there's like a group of asshole Americans uh, who are like bullying the waitress and like being real handsy with her and stuff like that. And Roland all of a sudden is like, just one second. And he goes up and he tells him to stop. And and the guy's like, what are you going to do? He's like, what would it take for you to fight me? And he was like, yeah, I could beat you with one hand tied behind your back. And he's like, well, so be it. So Roland ties a hand behind his back. The American guy's like, I meant me. And of course, Roland kicks his ass (laughs) with one arm tied, literally tied behind his back, uh, like a three punch thing. And pretty much just puts the guy in his place and is like, have some respect for the lady. Trashes this dude, goes back to sit down. And basically, Ajay is able to tell him like, oh, but this game is something beyond what you've ever heard of before. And the scene is great. 
And Roland's great. Pete, <laughs> my boy Pete is great in the scene. And uh, the only dumb thing about the scene is when the guys are picking up their friend and like carrying him back over to the table, they like walk him past a pole so it, like the pole hits his nuts. Oh my God. And it's like if you took that one shot out of the scene, mm-hmm. it would be completely awesome. Because again, it's the same thing. It's like, here's a guy who's real serious, real macho, real, the type of character we've seen before, but there is a sensitive side to him because it's like he can't stand for these rich assholes who are making a fuss right. and messing with a woman. He defends her honor, but he's also doing it because he's bored and he just needs something to fight, I guess. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's a really cool scene and a really cool intro, but the intro that we get in the movie of him just ordering Ludlow and yeah. telling him what's what, just as good of an introduction. <laughs> really good. Um, and like, weirdly enough to Ludlow, like smiles about it. Like he enjoys the fact that like, this macho man is putting him in his place. Yeah, it's so yeah. weird. <laughs> it is a little weird, but I, I, yeah, I love that whole scene. Just like I said, all the effects are great. They're like, I, I feel really bad because they're like, are pulling dinosaurs down, like yeah. dragging them down. It's, and it's, like, especially with the, uh, I don't, the Elvis is what he calls him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that dinosaur a, where, uh, where they like pull his legs out from underneath yeah. him and he slams to the ground. It's so it's like, heartbreaking. horrifying. And like, they cut back to the, to the, to our heroes, our observation team. And they're looking at it, and they're just devastated by it. Yeah, um, Nick Van Owen's recording it all. He he's slack jawed, and so are all of us. I mean, like I said, Sarah just talked about respecting these animals and mm-hmm. respecting the, their territory. And here, these guys are very American of them to just come in and just wreck shit for profit. But then they build their camp, and they have all the dinosaurs in cages and shit. And they're doing a presentation. Ludlow is of what the purpose of this is, which is they already have a amphitheater built in San Diego, mm-hmm. conveniently. That was the original Jurassic Park. And because it's the place of uh, uh, oh, what, animal attractions. Oh, like yeah, SeaWorld, the zoo, and then the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, I, I was curious about that, too. How did the Chargers exactly, like... He, I think he was calling them animals. I guess so. Well, maybe that just shows <laughs> that like, he's, like, an attraction. super, I don't know, like, out of touch. I guess. He's, like, animal attractions, like the Padres. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, like, doing this presentation for the board, like, via Skype. But uh, one thing I want to mention that before we see this happening, Nick Van Owen tells us that one of the reasons he's on this expedition is because he's backup, basically. Oh, yeah. He's a contingency plan because Hammond knew Engine was going to come here and do this. And he sent this team in prior to that yeah. for whatever reason to observe and like report back, I guess. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. but I guess they, they're, the Engine people showed up sooner than expected. Yeah, and so it was another piece of information that Hammond did not tell yeah. the rest of the team. Hammond, just let everybody know what's up. <laughs> let us know just what's happening. Give us everybody a heads up, please. Mm-hmm. That would be nice for once for you not to hold cards, yes. you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, Nick's there. He's ready to like wreck shit, I guess, to uh, to sabotage this place. So yeah, they go and they it op- turns out he's like an environmentalist or something. Yeah, they go open up cages. Meanwhile, Roland and Ajay are off hunting a T-Rex. Mm-hmm. They end up at like this really gnarly boneyard kind yeah. of thing it's, it's really like their nest because yeah. that's where the baby's at super gross uh lots of like bones and like meat everywhere eaten dinosaurs yeah flies flying around everywhere. oh the flies that makes my so nose many. itch thinking about <laughs> it you just scratched your nose yeah i know just thinking about it for real i'm still doing it and uh they handle those flies like champs if i was an actor and i, I had know. to be in that scene i'd be like nah no thank you you no, have you- to digitally put these in <laughs> yeah later, exactly I'm not but i feel like it. today they would just digitally yeah, do yeah. That. i don't think they would actually do it but they uh find a baby t-rex 
And they don't want to be in the T-Rex's territory. They think that's too dangerous. They want to lure the T-Rex to where they'll be. So they grab the baby. And when we find the baby, it's like writhing on the ground and it's calling out like it's in pain. And we'll find out that the baby T-Rex's leg is broken. Mm -hmm. I guess there was some sort of deleted scene where Ludlow himself is like walking along. He's drunk for some reason. And he trips over the T-Rex and breaks its leg. Oh, my gosh. I always thought that Ajay and Roland are the ones who broke the T-Rex's leg. Uh-huh. Like, I was like, that's That's shitty. what I assumed, yeah. Yeah. I didn't see the deleted scene. Yeah. I guess it wasn't shot or something because otherwise I guess it would have been included on the Blu-ray. Mm. But so at least that makes a little bit more sense because I was like, that's just cruel for yeah. them to do it. I assumed that they, like, maybe the T-Rex was, like, going to struggle or something. And so they're, like, had to take it down somehow. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, they're hunters. They are cold-hearted when it comes to animals, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't put it past them to break a baby T-Rex's leg. <laughs> yeah. Like, whatever, as long as it gets the the mail there. But, uh, yeah, so Nick and uh, Sarah sabotage the camp, and shit goes fucking yeah, haywire. Dinosaurs running around everywhere, knocking shit down. They find the baby T-Rex, and they're like, uh-oh. Oh, I love the Triceratops running through the camp. That was very exciting. Standing over the fire, like yeah. no big deal. <laughs> that was a cool shot, though. Yeah. Uh, it's it's cool because it's like seeing all these dinosaurs in a different way than we saw them in the last movie. Mm. And this movie is also shot very differently than the last movie. Yes. The last one was very like bright and like vibrant and kind of crisp. And this one's also very crisp, but it's just so dark and contrasty. I really like the way it's shot. A lot of it is in the dark, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, so much of it takes place at night. Like, Mm -hmm. I was exhausted watching the movie because I figured that these guys haven't slept for like three days. I know. Yeah. So Nick Van Owen and Sarah end up saving the little baby Mm -hmm. T-Rex as all the shit's going down. They bring it back to the camp. And uh, guess what? It starts to rain. Which can only mean one thing in Jurassic Park. A T-Rex is about <laughs> T-Rex to show up. showing up. Yeah, baby. Meanwhile, Ian is taking his daughter to the high hide. She all of a sudden wants to be away from all this bullshit. Well, so Eddie, the the the, the mm. other guy who's there with the, the tech guy, the, the bald other guy. one, the bald one, he is setting up the high hide, which we learned about in the beginning of the film that we didn't touch on. But anyway, he's setting up this high hide. Right. And Ian is trying to contact the boat. And he keeps getting this woman <laughs> oh, talking yeah. to him on the radio. <laughs> and he's like, hi, hi, we're trying to get help, whatever. <laughs> and she's speaking Spanish. And Kelly goes, hola. Yeah, she's <laughs> a buenos dias. And, and the woman's like, who's that? Who's with you? Who's this woman? <laughs> oh, my God. She's speaking in Spanish. Okay, uh, yeah, I don't I remember if they translated it or not. They but did like, not. No. Yeah, she's like on the phone freaking out saying like, who's with you? Who's that woman yeah. on the phone? <laughs> and, and I love that uh, at the end of all that... <laughs> Ian's like, oh, I feel bad for Enrique. Yeah. Like, that was great. <laughs> Enrique? <laughs> Whatever she says. It was, um, that was quite funny. But uh, yeah, Nick, Nick and um, Sarah bring back the baby T-Rex. They throw it inside the trailer and, and it's like screaming yeah. in pain. Great fucking puppet, by the way. Yes, it's great good. Puppet. It's a good puppet. The Amazing. tail swinging everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's good. And that's when Kelly's like, ooh, this is scary. Other animals can probably hear this. I, I'm scared. I need to go away. And Finally, conven- someone in one of these movies has some goddamn sense. Conveniently, she's like, I need to go high. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I've got the perfect place. I got place. the thing for you, and we set it up <laughs> several scenes ago. <laughs> so, yeah, she, Eddie, and Ian all go up, and the whole time they're fixing this baby's leg. It's got a broken leg. They're setting it, yada, yada, a lot of business there. Mm-hmm. Um, all they're trying to do is call them to let them know that the T-Rexes are on their way because in an awesome shot, they're up in the high hide and we see the trees all shifting down mm-hmm. below and it's like, uh-oh, 
shit's really about to go down. Ian eventually runs to through the jungle to the back to the cars. <laughs> what I love is like he has to get down from the high hide, but they don't want to bring the whole thing down. So they're like, you're gonna zip line oh, down yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, cool. And the guy's like, it's super simple, just squeeze the little handles or whatever, and you'll be able to like slide down, whatever. And he's like, Great. He's like, here I go. And he just goes flying Zoop. down. <laughs> he's like, he didn't squeeze hard enough. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was great. And it's like Ian's having all this technological difficulty through the entire thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did Alan Grant rub off on him or something? Yeah, because so uh, <laughs> yeah. It's really funny. But he eventually ends up at the trailer just in time mm-hmm. for mommy and daddy to show yep. up. Because we are inside the trailer. They're just finishing up with the baby Rex. And uh, what goes flying by but one of their cars. <laughs> yes. And probably the worst CG of the movie. I will say that. Was that CG? Yeah, the, the car flying, flying car? by. Yeah, it I was kind of. I didn't notice. Yeah, it was uh, not my favorite. Uh, <laughs> probably the worst CG. But if the worst CG is one quick shot of a car flying by. It's pretty quick. Worked. But it's cool. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. No, it's a cool idea. I, I think it's really neat. Ian says, you know, mommy's very angry, mm-hmm. which was the big trailer <laughs> moment. But man, you know, every sequel, you got to go bigger. That's, you got to do yep. better. So last movie, we had one T-Rex. Now what do we got? Two T-Rexes, And we're not really expecting it either because we're used to the one T-Rex. And of course, we know that obviously this baby was born somehow. Yeah. Nature. And so (laughs) when we see the first one, we're like, oh shit, shit's happening. And then the second one comes down. It's like, yes, give us that that bigger. What a great. (laughs) shot to or like what a great series of shots with the one coming down it's like oh shit and then the other one comes down it's like oh fuck <laughs> these dudes they are, are gonna get messed up <laughs> but they eventually uh bind the baby's leg they walk it down through the trailer to appease the gods the t-rex gods because they're just watching they're not attacking yet mm-hmm. which has everybody on edge because yes. I know I was waiting for it. And like the crazy thing is like put yourself in this situation. Sarah has the baby and she's like taking it outside. And the the I don't know which one it is. The mother or the father is think right it's the there father, yeah. face to face with her. His giant face bigger than the doorway. Yeah. Just staring at her. And she has to like go outside a little <laughs> to uh, like drop off yeah. this baby. And you can see in her face that she's like smiling because she's so amazed by it. But then. By the end of it, when she's going back inside, her face changes into like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. This is insane. (laughs) Yeah. Let me just say, like, people who give this movie shit, rewatch this scene, this sequence Mm -hmm. of the T-Rex showing up to the end of this when they eventually climb up off the cliff. This is like pure Spielberg. It is so good. It is so well thought out. He does this kind of thing in his sleep at this (laughs) point, but... It is just perfect. This is like a perfect scene ratcheting up the tension, ratcheting up the intensity. It's great. It's so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love every moment of this whole sequence. It'll get more and more intense as we go along. But I just want to like call that out and just like simple things like as Sarah is carrying the baby through the trailer, we cut the separate shots of the T-Rexes following along Mm -hmm. outside. We see them in the background like through the window. And I just thought those shots were amazing. One, because they're real ass T-Rexes like built (laughs) on the stage, they weigh like 80 tons a piece or something like that. They're amazing animatronics. Uh, but just like a cool shot and like scary. Yeah. Like these giant things are just following you. They're so aware of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It was just great. So yeah, they get rid of the baby. They give it over and they kind of all breathe a sigh of relief. Eddie even says, he calls on the phone and it's like, hey, they're backing off. And they're like, woof. 
And Sarah's like excited about this. She's like, I knew it. I knew it. They act like a family. They're not solo type of animals or whatever. And she's like, and the mother came and blah, blah. And she says something. I forget exactly what she says. But uh, she basically says like it's a very mother motherly thing to do that she came. She got her baby and like she she made sure the baby was okay. And Ian, it clicks on Ian like she's just like a mother and he says, you guys, hold on to something. Yeah, okay. And then their trailer like starts shaking. Well, that actually makes something more sense to me because one of the things I wrote down was like, how does Ian just know that it's going to attack? Oh, because he like put it together. Like sh- everything she's saying, yes, that's how they're acting. They're about to get their revenge on us. Yeah, they're not yeah. going to let us, fuck us live up. after we did this. And man, do they ever. <laughs> Holy shit. They knock over the trailer. They like spin it around another great shot where the camera's in the middle of the trailer and it stays static mm-hmm. but the trailer's spinning all around it almost inception like yeah it's pretty gnarly but like you could just feel everything busting up in there you can feel all the characters getting flung around in there yeah. it's really cool and eventually they toss it or they push it off of the like cliff like half of it is pushed off the cliff so yeah. it's being hung by like the other half still up there yeah and eventually the T-Rex is I guess back off so that we can yeah, have a so few minutes of tension. Yeah, so again. Again, dinosaurs <laughs> again. just sort of leaving is, for whatever this reason. This is that whole thing of like, okay, we're good. Wait, shit's about to happen again. Okay, we're good. Oh, shit's about to happen yeah, again. Yeah, exactly. So they leave, but like this is one of the greatest scenes and it doesn't have anything to do with the dinosaur when they're hanging. And Sarah eventually falls and we're looking through a clear surface. So we think that she's just going to fall to her death. Because they're hanging over this cliff and we see the ocean below. It's hundreds mm-hmm. of feet below. And Sarah falls but hits this like plexiglass. And it cracks like a motherfucker when she hits it. And she looks like she's down for the count. Yeah. And they're like, fuck. Oh, man, we got to get down there and save her. And then begins the classic like you're on ice and like the ice is cracking. Mm-hmm. Or she's on this glass and she can't move. And what's worse is the satellite phone that's been giving him so much trouble <laughs> is hanging from another thing. And it's about to fall. Nick Van Owen, even though that linky motherfucker is reaching for it, <laughs> his arms aren't long enough. He can't get to it. And eventually that shit falls and on breaks the the, on the glass, breaking the glass. And uh, if not for Sarah's lucky pack, which they, she grabs at the last second, mm-hmm. like she would have been dead. Uh, but one thing that really astounded me throughout the entire movie is both the grip strength of the characters and the upper body strength. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, if I were Ian, Sarah would be dead because, oh, yeah. like, my hand would have given out easily. I, I would have, like, dislocated my shoulder he, or something He's like that. holding on to something inside this vehicle, and he's holding on to her with one arm, and it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I had the same comment about something to do with Twilight. I know I've... <laughs> Pretty sure there was some point where like somebody hey, fell and strong vampires. Oh that's yeah, but I, I think it was like a Bella or something. That, <laughs> I don't know, but whatever the case, uh, yeah, I feel like in a normal situation mm-hmm. that shoulder would have been fucked. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. That's the one time where Sarah actually does like give him a hug when he pulls her up uh-huh. onto like this ledge uh, that they can kind of at least rest on for a second. She gives Ian a quick hug, and that's about as sexy as it gets between them. <laughs> yeah. Which is to say, not at all. And eventually Nick ends up at the bottom uh, with them. And Eddie, I guess, who witnesses the whole thing from the high hide, drives the truck over there, drops some, sees everything. It's like, oh, fuck, this mm-hmm. is fucked up. Ties a rope around uh, a tree. Very Dennis Nedry-like. Yeah, Did yeah. that remind you of the first movie? A little bit, yeah. His whole situation is very similar to Nedry in the first one. Except he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he's like 
pretty brave going out there with two T-Rexes just hanging out. Yeah. Well, uh, he thinks they've gone again. Uh, yeah. We, they've already gone once. We think they've gone again. So he gives them the rope, and there's all sorts of problems with this fucking rope, man. Uh, they slide at one point. Uh, the rope oh, like, gives God. out at one so point. At one point, Sarah's climbing, and she's above everyone else. And for whatever reason, she like kind of loses her grip. Yeah. And she starts sliding down the rope, and I was like, her hands oh, yeah. are Fucked, fucked up. up like you cannot do that <laughs> and they all end up like in a big cluster uh-huh. underneath where the 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 trailer is yeah uh, which like how none of them fell off that rope i'll never know <laughs> no. they yeah. all have intense grip strength and uh-huh. upper body strength and eventually yeah eddie's uh got his mercedes like suv he gets the winch on it to prop up the the first trailer, which That's is being, hanging on to the second yeah, trailer. hanging on to the second trailer. And I've always thought, like, there's no way the SUV was heavy enough to hold that second trailer. No. There's no fucking way. It would, even with it, like, driving as fast as he could, like, in reverse, like, slinging around the mud. It's, like, wet surface, like, get no traction. That thing must have, like, so much torque that <laughs> it's just insane. But as Eddie's doing this, our T-Rexes show back up. They're like, hey, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Stop foiling our plans. <laughs> I know that uh, I know that we can't see if you're not moving, and you aren't moving right now, but we can conveniently both see your truck. Uh-huh. Because at the moment that they show up, that truck's not moving. Mm. Do you remember that at all? Maybe they could hear it. Or it's smell going, it. It's or going something. crazy. It's going crazy. And poor Eddie just can't catch a fucking break, man. He, they eat him. They eat the shit out of him. They split him. They pull him they, apart. Like, full up and wishbone him. Yes. <laughs> so uh, sad because he's or, such a good guy. Yeah, because like he's still even as these two T Rexes are being terrifying and tearing his car to shreds, he's still pumping the gas yes. to make sure that this thing doesn't go over the cliff. And finally, this gun, this air gun with like intense tranquilizer that we've set up prior to this on the boat scene earlier, he's like, "Fuck it, I guess I got to do that." So he goes for the gun, and the front of it gets caught on a fucking net. Yep. So if that wouldn't have get, gotten caught on the net. Eddie would have been fine. Maybe. Or at least yeah. he, maybe not. He, he would have gotten at least one of them. He would have gotten one of them and felt good about it. And he wouldn't have at least gotten <laughs> torn in half. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. poor Eddie, he he gets it pretty bad. And then mm. like that felt awful. Because like Gennaro was a shitty lawyer. Mm. Muldoon. Nedry was, was fucked up. Yeah. Nedry was a villain. You know, we didn't actually get to see Samuel L. Jackson killed in the first one. So you didn't feel. <laughs> That's true. You feel, I felt bad for him, but it was like, oh, man, that sucks. But mm-hmm. you don't like feel it, the visceral feeling of watching somebody get torn apart. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty intense. So he dies. The truck goes flying. The <laughs> the trailer goes flying conveniently around them. Yes. It falls it, it, perfectly. Perfectly straight yeah. down. Uh-huh. Perfectly straight down. <laughs> and the car comes flying right after it. Yeah. And it doesn't hit them. Conveniently past them, yes. And then we get a bad CGI explosion. Screen, green screen shot yeah. or something. That was of, a little rough. Of the explosion and the wheels flying up. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently that whole thing was shot like on in Universal, like on the side of like one of the parking garages. Mm. And it was so cool to see uh the behind the scenes shots of it like how cool would it have been in 1997 to be like working on that lot and right like walk past that and like see the full trailer hanging off the side and all that stuff mm-hmm. and the rain rigs and everything so neat i was really enamored with that <laughs> uh watching it today yeah well if anyone just to talk about universal for a quick second if anyone ever gets the chance to go there if you're not from la and you haven't been there or whatever definitely take a look because the the backlot tour and everything is pretty cool they show you like sets and stuff where they actually film things yeah it's pretty cool yeah no i love that tour and they have v- several vehicles from 
various mm-hmm. Jurassic Park Fast and Jurassic and the World movies. Furious to yeah. the Backstreet well, Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Back I to wish the Backstreet Boys. Back to the Future. Yeah. Like they have all that shit there. It's yeah, all cool. sorts of cool stuff. And they just uh, opened a new version of the Jurassic Park ride. Mm. It's mm-hmm. Jurassic World now. Oh yes. And uh, I won't be going until Halloween Horror Nights because uh, I'm going to spend money on Universal. They are doing a clown maze. This uh, year. Not just any clown maze, my friend, but a killer clowns from outer space. Outer space. Which mm-hmm. is going to be an episode of the show at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. It's it's going to be covered. That's, I love that movie. Uh, and I cannot fucking wait for that maze. But uh, when they do eventually climb up with their in, in superhero-like, Captain America-like yes. uh, upper body strength, uh, who's there to greet them? But Roland. Yeah. And the whole engine team. And as a kid, I was shocked. And as an adult, I'm still shocked. Like, yeah. I'm surprised that those corporate assholes weren't like, fuck those guys. Right. They're the reason we're stranded here. But we do find out that, yeah, we are stranded. This is now the T-Rex territory. Their perceived territory has mm-hmm. changed. So they got to get a move on. The only way to get out of this island, because all of their equipment's been destroyed at this point, they have no way of communicating with the the shore or their helicopters or whatever. There's a worker's village in the middle of the island. And if they can get to that, there's, I don't know, somehow it all still works, even though it's overgrown. Well, and- they did explain how it works. That you don't use normal, like, yeah, they said something like geothermic or something or other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it'll work forever. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, I don't know how, but sure. But if they can get to this area in the island, then they can call for rescue. And one thing they do mention, they're like, but we have to be careful getting there because we will be passing through the Velociraptor nest, basically, yeah, like yeah. their territory. So yeah, that sucks, bros. Be careful. <laughs> yep. Just uh, letting everyone know in the audience that mm-hmm. raptors are going to play a big role later. Yep. And we're on the road. And I always think it's cool that the two groups did unify. Mm-hmm. I thought that was neat. And as we've discussed before, the fact that Roland, like, has some sympathy for the little girl, has some sympathy for Sarah because she's covered in the baby T-Rex blood and because of the humidity, it never dries. <laughs> so so I mentioned earlier before we started recording that there was something I remembered in the film that absolutely does not happen. Oh yeah, a crazy scene. So when the blood happens, so Sarah, everyone's walking around, apparently it's so humid that the blood never dries. Uh, that's the baby's T-Rex's blood on her jacket. She passes a plant and the blood gets all over this plant and yeah. Roland notices it. And, and so he, he, thinks like, he, he thinks she's hurt. She, yeah. And so he tells everyone like, hey, we're taking a break. And he walks up to Sarah and he's like, hey, are you injured? I saw blood. Like, what's going on? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's the baby T-Rex humidity. You, you know. And he's like, OK, cool. Got it. In my memory, because <laughs> I think of him as such an asshole. I thought he went up to her and was like, are you on your period? <laughs> you know? And um, I thought he was going to be like, they can track us because of your blood. And I, whatever, like, I just thought of him as such an asshole that that's the memory I have. No, man. Even though it's not in the film whatsoever. He's a sweetheart. Uh, no, that's <laughs> definitely not in the film. But uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because I do feel like in the 90s, that would have been like an okay thing for and a character to like, ask. I was like, where this memory didn't just happen. Like, I had to have seen this somewhere in he, some kind of dinosaur. I'm trying movie. to think, like, was there like a TV version? Or, I don't know. But obviously, there's a lot of blood on that leaf that she <laughs> leaves behind. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood like, all over her it jacket. It looked like it was fresh blood yeah. <laughs> dripping off of her body. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think he would have jumped directly to <laughs> you're on your lady time. Uh, that's That's great. <laughs> That's something. Welcome to the brain of ritual. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I like that you were like totally convinced. You're like, yeah, that's yeah. And, and, that and was when we were watching, I was watching it with uh, Ada, my boyfriend, and I just started laughing when the blood was smeared on the thing. And he was like, "What's so funny?" And I was like, "Oh, this scene is so awful." And then it happens, <laughs> and I was like, 
oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, man. It's weird how our memories like play with us. Like, yeah, the, yeah. What is it? The, the Mandela effect? Like uh, the Berenstain Bears? Oh, my goodness. You know that? We the are ma- in the alternate bad universe. Uh, yeah, well, we're definitely in the darkest timeline. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. without a doubt. And uh, while there are on this current path, I believe this is when Peter Stormare, who we've established throughout the movie, is uh, an asshole because that's the kind of character he typically plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of sadistic. He he runs across a compie, and uh, obviously compies are very small, probably the size of a chicken. And his name is the the real guy who is based off of the scientist that's with him, the paleontologist. Uh, the real guy's name is Dr. Robert Backer, who's referenced in the first Jurassic Park movie. But the guy that's with him, the dinosaur expert, is designed to be exactly Robert Backer. Mm. I don't. I think his name's like Dr. Burke or something in the movie. Anyway. He basically tells Peter Stormare, nah, they're harmless. It's like the, he's like they're scavengers, like yeah. And he's like, why aren't they running away from me? He's like, oh well, the island hasn't had visitors. They have no reason to fear men. And he's like, well, I'll give them a reason. And he shocks him with like a little <laughs> so cattle prod. Such a dick. <laughs> such a dick. Well, Mister uh, Shinobog from fucking American Gods. Oh, is he an American he's God? In, he's in everything, but yes. Oh yeah, he is definitely in everything. <laughs> I did not know that. That's cool. I, that's a show I definitely want to like check out, but I just haven't had the time. The first season is pretty amazing. Second season is okay. They should put that on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he goes to take a piss and runs afoul of some compies. Because I guess that one little dude that got shocked went and got went all his friends. His friends and was like, we need to get this bastard. Yeah, this he's bitch like, did something to me. I don't know what it was. It hurt a lot. And it we hurt need to this get motherfucker revenge. right here. <laughs> we need a revenge. Like, he got a gang together. <laughs> he uh, surely did. Peter Stormare somehow ends up, like, tripping and, like, falling into, like, a ravine. Kind uh-huh. of, not exactly a ravine but like to a creek he gets lost and all these compies are after him I always thought this was like the lamest death scene in a Jurassic Park movie because <laughs> they're like tiny little they're t- and I still don't exactly get how they killed him I, I'm assuming death by a thousand blades or yeah, cuts by, or whatever death by a thousand cuts I mean I figure yeah but they like attack him for quite a long time and it's kind of like it's horrific extended he's, he's swarmed and they're like biting his lip uh-huh. and they're like gnawing at him and it was the this aforementioned is, puppets that yes, were kind of gnarly. Yes, the puppets that I was like I didn't like seeing them so close up yeah. not really moving or doing anything but him just like kind of reacting to them yeah. and it was just weird. The, the one that bit his lip apparently he just was inanimate and it just like he was controlling yeah, it. Yeah, and you could see that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean there were some that like looked cool but it re- they didn't look threatening is the problem. Like right. we never like saw their teeth. What I did enjoy enjoy what I did like about this was that in the beginning uh, you know we mentioned how Sarah was trying to prove that T-Rexes are more paternal than than what we imagine and blah, blah blah and this whole movie is kind of like saying we don't know as much as we think we know about dinosaurs or whatever because they're learning so much now and going back to uh this guy shocking the compi the guy the doctor saying like they're scavengers they're not a threat whatever don't right. worry about it they hunt him yeah. down and kill him and, and proving that they're not just scavengers. Yeah. Like they can kill Those some bitches if they hunters. need to. So I really like that through line yeah. of the film. And it's very reminiscent of in the first book, uh, John Hammond dies mm. at the hand of a bunch of compies. Oh, really? Very similar. Like he falls, he ends up breaking his leg, which I feel like they maybe should have gone with that in the movie mm-hmm. where once he falls down that long path that he falls down, he should have not been able to walk or something. Right. I think I would have believed that he would be killed in that way. 
he had to like drag himself on the ground and then got swarmed by them. Mm-hmm. But in the book, yeah, John Hammond gets killed by a big group of compies. Huh. But in the book, John Hammond is like swarthy and he's a dick. He's the worst. Mm. He is definitely not Santa Claus, Richard Attenborough. He is a pain in the ass and he deserves his death. <laughs> uh, it's like well, sweet, I don't know. sweet After death. After watching this movie again as an adult and as a full grown human, <laughs> I, I am not a John Hammond fan. What? No. He kept so much from them. I mean, you're totally right. Like, I think that as a character, he's not great in terms of like the reality of it. But as an actor, as a performance, oh, well, yes. As, I'm talking as, about the character. Like the, the <laughs> idealized version of him is so great. The the wide-eyed wonder and the and the hope and the all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I just I think I gravitate towards that aspect of the character. Which is like the first film yeah. that really gives us that. Yeah. And the end of this film has a touch of that. But yeah, like you're totally right. Like everything else is just because like he is I, just I, like it, he feels like the type of person who's just like, fuck humans, it's all about the animals, it's all about so like he sends he's like people that go out for this expedition or whatever, like they're expendable to him. Yeah. And like, I guess I kind of appreciate that. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, you're a dick. He's a realist, I guess. <laughs> but uh, he does keep a lot from them, which could have been helpful to fucking know uh-huh. John. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, but anyways, Peter Stormare ends up getting killed somehow mm-hmm. by the compies. They murder him and we get like a trickle of blood from behind a log. It's kind of yeah. a little limp in terms of <laughs> the deaths. After like Eddie's death was so visceral and so, so graphic, so there. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, oh, you kind of wimped out on that. And yeah. I feel like we don't get any deaths for a little. Well, no, actually, that's not true. We do get deaths pretty soon because soon after they set up camp and holy shit, we get the T-Rex rampage to end all rampages, man. Yeah, everyone's kind of asleep and Ian is walking around for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and he's talking to Roland about like what their plan is, how they're going to keep moving forward or whatever, how far away they are. And so he's walking back to camp and he sees the classic stomping of the ground, rippling of the water. Uh And... The T-Rex is there and it can smell the baby's blood. Yeah. Slash her period blood. Possibly it's unconfirmed. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We all know the truth, folks. Yes, we we know what's really going on, what Steven Spielberg really intended. Yeah. Um, And Sarah's got it in her tent. She's dumb as fuck. Even though she's the one who's like, they can smell from like 10 miles. They have the greatest olfactory capacity or something besides turkey vultures. The blood jacket hanging above her. (laughs) It's like, not your smartest moment. No, it's like, it's your jacket, not even like your pack, which is like your prized possession. Uh Saved your life a hundred times. And we'll save your life again in this movie. Uh, yeah, that was pretty dumb. And it's not even hanging there to dry or anything because she they've passed so many rivers, so mm-hmm. many streams that she could have like washed this blood off of. We already know that they can smell you and track you. Yep. And like, uh And a scene that is pretty scary. The T-Rex shows up. We see the silhouette outside their tent. Mm-hmm. It's her and Kelly sleeping. And the T-Rex pokes its giant ass head into the tent and is like sniffing around. She barely keeps Kelly quiet enough to keep the T-Rex from eating them right then and there. (laughs) Here's something that I thought was an interesting thing that they included in the scene. She gathers up all their snacks and puts it in a Ziploc bag and then puts it underneath their blankets and stuff against the dirt. And that's a move you would do if you're like actually camping and there's maybe like a bear or something like you want to like keep the snacks from Uh smelling. Uh And I was like (laughs) wondering, like she like went instinctually to do that. 
But like, what was that going to do? I don't know. I don't think he's coming for your crackers, girl. I don't know. And also, where do they even get the crackers from? Those are more my question. Maybe from Engine. Because wasn't there like a Kit Kat bar or something in there? Like, I feel like there was some candy in there. I mean, there there was wrappers is all I remember. Yeah, no, totally. That's a good point, though. Uh, I just thought it was interesting for her to like do that. And I was like, and in my head, I'm like, oh, that's just an instinct that she had because she does these exposition expeditions. Well, yeah, she just goes by. This is like a weird character, interesting character moment. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that, like, don't you guys smell pretty ripe? At this point, you've been that as well going through this human ass jungle. Like she smells like probably can smell you. And yeah, you (laughs) smell like T-Rex blood. Someone wakes up and makes a very loud scream. Uh And he yells, kill them. Oh, is that what he yells? Because he's Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, He's like, wants to kill the (laughs) (laughs) T-Rex. Ian, of course, is like, everybody calm the fuck down. Like, don't move. Don't move. Even though we've kind of disproven the whole sight based on movement thing. Uh, but everyone's scrambling and the T-Rex just goes like on a fucking rampage. He steps on that guy, the guy who was screaming we, in the first place. About three times because he gets stuck underneath the, yeah. the T-Rex's foot. And yeah. he keeps getting smashed over and over again as this T-Rex is running. It really does seem like that's the second of three times where people who don't deserve it get really horrific deaths. Yes. Eddie being the first. But Eddie got it because he was sacrificing himself. And then this guy, yeah, is just a dude who's running from the T-Rex like everybody else. He trips, gets stomped on, and then, yeah, gets stuck on the foot, trampled again and again and it's just like a little sadistic yes and then later in the movie when the T-Rex is stomping around San Diego he eats a random guy at the video store <laughs> yeah. and I was like what the fuck did that guy do to deserve that <laughs> so I don't know about the the moral code of this movie uh-huh. sometimes but they eventually end up in a waterfall with the paleontologist guy uh-huh. the long hair yes and the T-Rex is sniffing around and like licking this them for some reason is insane because they oh, yeah. hide behind a waterfall and the T-Rex head can't fit through right so it can't reach them and they're like kind of like happy about it i guess the guy they're like whoa nick is us. like he can't reach us he can't reach us ha 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 and <laughs> t-rex sniffs them and then licks sarah up and down yeah, for some reason it's <laughs> so weird trying to get to that period blood man it's so weird <laughs> it is very odd because it seemed a little bit sexual like yeah. it was just so weird because he was like on her chest it was very it was like so very job of the hut is what I felt like. Oh Maybe it's God. just like an animatronic tongue <laughs> makes me think of Jabba the Hutt. But yeah, that was weird. And then the the Robber Backer guy gets like a, a coral, snake in like his a boot. Coral oh, sorry, snake. in his shirt. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and he's like, oh, a snake. And he fucking goes running out where the T-Rex is. It's like, I get that people have fear of snakes. I do not share that fear. Snakes and, don't freak me and out. And we do get the beauty of stage direction in this scene because he's freaking out and he goes right next to the waterfall and he's waving his arm yeah just like near the waterfall towards the waterfall well he runs out of the water no, he does it oh he does no. it? oh does he get grabbed from he, the t-rex comes back and grabs his oh. arm that he's waving singularly yeah. towards. The and once again waterfall. we get the water turning red the trick uh-huh. that steven spielberg like uh-huh. really liked in this movie and the audience is like what <laughs> and everyone's like what and then two seconds later ian malcolm runs in yes. Or like, I think Nick even's like, it's coming back. Because there's like a roar or something, yeah. like some kind of rumbling. And then it's just Ian. <laughs> and Ian, and I guess the dinosaurs again conveniently wandered off. Yes. The idea could be that if the dinosaur is eaten, it's satisfied. Because they kind of say that uh, the hunter roll in when they rescue uh, them from the cliff. Because they're like, we got to go. The T-Rexes are around or whatever. And he's like, oh, they just ate. They're not going to be hunting anymore. Right. 
And Ian gets mad. He's like, hey, that's our friend that like sacrificed his yeah. life. And he's like, I've known that guy for 72 hours. He's my best friend. <laughs> and, and what what was it? Oh, God. There's a line that Roland says. Oh, oh, Roland says, animals only hunt to feed. And Nick says, yeah, not like humans or something yeah. like that. Nick's a weird character because he's got like this environmentalist streak. But he, I guess he's like, he'd probably be part of like Antifa now. <laughs> um you know, like he'd be like a social justice warrior or something yes, like that. Sure. But uh, definitely somebody who would like show up at a Trump rally or something like mm. that to to kick some shit. Yeah. And yeah, I'm okay with that. But at the time, it was more environmentalist. And he said he was part of Greenpeace, but clearly he was part of more well, extremist. Eighty percent of Greenpeace is women, yeah. and he went for the women. He went for the he went for the little babies. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So he's like a weird character. Like I'd never got a full grasp on like what his deal was. Yeah. Is he like? Like a violent protester. Is he a guy who like, like goes to he, Greenpeace he, for the women? He loves animals and he loves the environment and he's trying to protect it. But Nick fucks. You know what? <laughs> that's multidimensional, man. That's Nick a fucks. good. That's just a good character. <laughs> yeah. That guy fucks. He's probably going to fuck Sarah. Or he already probably maybe already has. did because it seemed like they knew each other because when they yeah. first show up, she's like, hey, Nick. Yeah. yeah. And she knew he was coming. She didn't tell Ian. Yeah, that's true. She's going <laughs> to she be on this island with a couple of strange men. You know, uh-huh. who knows what we'll get up to in the tent or in the RV. So when they're running away from the T-Rex and all that's happening, Roland and Ajay find the buck, the male T-Rex. Yeah. Still hanging around the camp and they basically capture it. Well, not yet. This is actually the point where he goes to shoot it. With his oh, like right. super shotgun. Yes. He's, he's about to murder that motherfucker. It's taken down all of his prey before. But, but his bullets are empty. Yeah. And we only find out later that. Like, yeah. Like way later. Way later. Nick Van Owen uh, stole the bullets yeah. at one point. It was the point where they had stopped to like take a five minute and break. And even, even Roland knew somehow. Like when he finds out that the bullets are empty, he says that bastard or something like that. Yeah. And like at the time I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like I thought he was just yelling at his gun. But then oh. later when we when it's revealed that Nick actually took the bullets, yeah. I was like, oh, he said that because he knew that Nick took the bullets. Yeah. I knew it because I remembered that aspect I of the plot. Did not. Uh, <laughs> but I think, yeah, probably the first time I watched it, I didn't put it all together. There is a shot where Nick like eyes the shotgun. Well, he tries to take it because he's like, let me see your gun. He's yeah. like, haha, no. Yeah. And then later he sits us down and Nick is like eyeballing it. Uh-huh. So we could put the pieces together, but it's not exactly the most clear thing. And yeah. we don't get an answer immediately. So no. <laughs> usually in film vernacular, he'd be like that bastard. And in the next shot, Nick would be throwing the bullets on yes. the ground to, to let us know. And it happened way later. It, like 30 minutes later. <laughs> but yeah, after the T-Rex notices Roland, he does go to get a, like an air gun. Basically the same thing that Eddie had. To tranquilize uh, it. To tranquilize it. And we think that he's going to get eaten. Uh, meanwhile, all the men have scrambled. They're just going for their intended destination. Mm-hmm. They're going for that workers' village. But we all forgot, or at least they did. You got to go right through Raptor territory, baby. Yeah. And then probably the best shot of the single shot of the movie is all these guys running through the grass, and then we see all these Raptor tails. It's honestly so, one of the best shots in cinema history. Like, it's I'm great. Sorry. It's, it's great. It's so I think good. Nobody can take anything away from that part of the movie. Like no. the whole tall grass scene. Is fantastic, and 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 Ajay is running with them, and he's he sees the tall grass, and, he's, and he knows what's yeah. up, and he's like, no, don't run in the tall grass, don't. And he's yelling, but yeah. for whatever reason, he also runs through it. I guess he's trying to get his guys to stop, and because uh, yeah, they eventually find Ajay's pack, yeah, and it's like, oh man, guess he didn't make it. But yeah, that scene where they're 
getting all attacked by the raptors and it's basically like they're running through the tall grass a guy would like fall down and disappear mm-hmm. into the grass and then like a raptor tail would squiggle upwards way better than any of the actual raptors that we see later on because soon. there is like the the fear of the unknown something's yeah. grabbing them it's and very jaws like yes i mean their their little tails going through the grass is very like done i mean what's cool is that like before all that when they first start running through the grass you do see the velociraptors kind of poke their heads up and notice yeah. that all these men are coming and then they go back down yeah and that's when you start seeing the streams of the grass like yeah falling down because I mean, they're running through it incredibly staged so, so perfect. good so good and i guess conveniently nick and sarah and all those guys all of our heroes are held back i guess back in the waterfall for a couple of minutes so by the time they get to the tall grass the raptors are already busy murdering everybody else Mm -hmm. so they're able to get through it meanwhile like i said roland is uh shooting the t-rex with the trank dart we eventually find out no he lived because at the point where he was about to shoot it he's like loading the gun the t-rex is running towards it and the t-rex oh yeah what the Hey, <laughs> so he comes after him and he's trying to load the gun but yeah. we don't see what happens after yeah, that yeah we don't see but they they do arrive at the workers village uh, all of our heroes do make it okay mm-hmm. shockingly like because yeah. I feel like honestly Nick should have gone out because he survives to the end of the movie he should have gone out in that tall grass there's no reason to keep Nick alive for the series he never no. showed back up again yeah. it's never mentioned again but they needed to have a family adventure in this village because Nick, they send him off. Ian is injured somehow. Yeah. And so they're going slower and Nick's like, I'm going to go ahead because you guys are basically slowing this down. The sooner we can call, the sooner we'll get out of here. Right. He goes to find the radio and the family is stuck together slow behind him. Did Ian get hurt at some point or somehow was he got it hurt. his usual injury like where his leg was hurt in the last movie pretty mm-hmm. severely because I noticed him limping around this part and I was like yeah. wait has he been limping the entire movie and I, don't I haven't remember noticed how it, it happened I don't but know all of a sudden he was just like in pain yeah it's weird it's just a, a device to get them to hang back for a minute so they could have a full-on raptor throwdown mm-hmm. no but eventually they do go into the village as uh, Roland and Ludlow are packing up the T-Rex to to take it home, putting it into a cage and whatnot, and it's sleeping soundly. Uh, and a pretty badass shot. Like, the, the T-Rex is on the yes. ground, like, breathing very heavily, and Roland's just sitting in the dark uh-huh. by himself. It's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, you gotta yeah. give him credit for that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so our heroes end up, uh, Sarah and uh, Ian and, and Kelly. Kelly all end up in this village. Which, they give us a callback to a joke that occurred earlier in the film, yes. which I love, because I... Did not remember it, and it was such a joy. They're trying to find where Nick went, and so they're calling, Nick, Nick, and Ian goes, Nick Van Owen. Yes, (laughs) and I have literally never noticed that joke before my viewing today. (laughs) Watching this movie again, I was like, whoa. Well, I love discovering things about these movies that I've seen like a hundred times, because I have seen this almost as many times as the original Jurassic Park, so. Mm. But yeah, they get fucking waylaid by some raptors oh yeah and uh i think th- most of the raptor effects are really top notch like there's a shot where they're they jump up onto like the top of a car and it's like backlit and it's uh really high contrast it looks really cool mm. uh, and it looks really realistic and honestly it, it, the, my one problem is it jumps onto sarah's back and starts attacking her fucking lucky pack and somehow she doesn't immediately die right she just like crawls away from it and the Velociraptor is stuck there still chewing like, at the backpack, like which has backpack. nothing in it that he wants. Maybe it has like the rest of her candy. It's like, oh, <laughs> it I want more Kit I want that Kit Barbara. <laughs> I need that Kit I need that chocolate. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a lot of like 
weird raptor like business where it doesn't quite make sense why all these people aren't killed immediately. The later, especially with Sarah, there's like a raptor fight that happens next to her. And it's like, how did you not die? Yeah. Oh, man, this is probably one of the more famous scenes of the movie because or sequences of the movie because, yeah, they're all running away from the raptors. It's very like madcap because like there's raptors like running into things and there's a lot of like falling over uh-huh. and like running through windows and one raptor like pushes Ian through a window and <laughs> yeah. um and eventually Sarah and uh Kelly end up in this like shed the, the barn shed thing where they're trying to dig out and it is a really good jump scare where they're they dug a hole and Sarah puts her head in there and yeah, she's like okay the T-Rex I'm not the T-Rexes the velociraptors are trying to get in so they're trying to dig they're a digging hole on the into, other side and then they're like oh shit so they go to the other side and they start digging a hole and Kelly goes to put her in and a raptor head comes in right after her <laughs> it's, it's like whoa it's so funny because it's like all happening she's like what do I go when I get out there what do I I don't know what to do and then <laughs> velociraptor head comes in and in my head it's just going hello hi because <laughs> it doesn't like try to attack her I know it didn't bite her head Sticks its head in there. Hey! <laughs> exactly. And uh, they, so they climb because the mm-hmm. raptors get in pretty soon after that. And we get the famous gymnastic Infamous scene. Because gym- it's so funny because they're standing up at the top and Malcolm is coming in because yeah. he's dealt with his velociraptor and he sees that the two that we're trying to dig in are no longer there. Yeah. Uh, so he like goes to the door, he comes in and they are already at the top of the building and he's at the bottom and they're like, hey, he's down there. You got to climb up. So he starts doing it. And they're waiting at the top, standing next to each other, Kelly and Sarah. And Kelly kind of like struts over to yep. the side. She's like giving this dinosaur the eye. Yeah. <laughs> and immediately Sarah's like, what are you doing? Don't do it. Don't it's do like it. Sarah somehow knows what she's about to do. <laughs> so she's she's like, like, oh, fuck. Are those parallel bars? Uh-huh. Like, shit. <laughs> Not parallel <laughs> bars. Uh, resist. Uh, and Kelly fucking does a routine. And she had mentioned before uh, in the father-daughter scene right at the beginning yes. that like, oh, I got kicked from the gymnastics team. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, okay. It's kind of a throwaway line mm-hmm. until it obviously, you know me, I'm all about some setups and payoffs. <laughs> that should be the subtitle of my entire show is setups and payoffs. This was not one that I <laughs> loved. You didn't enjoy it. What, what got me was not even so much that she does the gymnastics. It's that she said the raptor and Ian are facing off. They are face to face. The mm-hmm. raptor's about to murder him. And she says, hey, you. And the raptor's like, oh. <laughs> it, tur- it does. It like, turns. What? And it's not like it turns and she immediately kicks it. It takes her about five full seconds. <laughs> well, to, she's got to she's she's finish. Yeah, got to finish the routine, prep. get that momentum going. But it takes her so long to actually kick the thing. And the raptor just waits. The raptor's like. Yeah, you just said, hey, you, what do you want? Uh-huh. And then and then she kicks him and he falls into a spike. Sure, it's triumphant for kids, <laughs> but it's also pretty fucking cheesy it that that happened. Uh, another thing that's cheesy is Sarah ends up on the roof and uses tiles to like hold off uh, a raptor. Mm-hmm. She's like grabbed onto one tile. Conveniently, that tile doesn't fall off, but all the rest of the tiles are falling off. Yeah, yeah. Again, back to her magnificent grip strength. One hand is able <laughs> to hold her up. Holding her up. Yeah. While she's doing all this, she eventually uh, knocks one of the raptors off the roof uh, with these loose tiles. Uh, the two raptors are down on the ground fighting. Mm-hmm. She ends up falling on the ground. They pay her no mind because they're rolling around. They're wrestling. They're, they're wrestling. wrestling. They're they're upset that one of them fell on the other. 
and and probably the I don't know if it's as dumb as the gymnastics moment, but and one of the dumbest moments of this, <laughs> this whole like sequence she, of her falling. Yeah, this like Rube Goldberg style where she like crawls into a hole, falls under the light, the light breaks, she does a flip forward, she bounces off of something through a window uh-huh. and lands on the ground, and it's like the silliest and shit. Ian and Kelly are there to pick her up. <laughs> directly there to pick her up and immediately usher her to the to the waiting helicopter uh-huh. or to Nick in the building being like, come on, guys. And why is there not an, a raptor in the building? Like, they know how to open doors. You know that they got a full well, on no, society. this was a circular cylinder. Oh, yeah, they, they don't, don't have, have that kind of grip. They yeah. can push down on one of those handles, but they don't, they can't Look, turn man, a door There's now. also a lot of windows in there. I bet one of those <laughs> raptors would have, like, picked up a trash can and thrown it through and the window. And one of them did throw themselves through a window earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so... Maybe they didn't have any prey in there to go after. But right, right, right. They finally get away, and we think, like, this movie's fucking over. And, and and you know, to be fair, like, the T-Rex attack and, like, the raptor, it's all very thrilling. Like, a lot of, like, high-intensity stuff. It's not as strong as, like, say, the kitchen scene from the first movie, but mm. it's all pretty good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It's still Spielberg doing what it's he a does lot best. Of, it's a lot of run. A lot of action. And, like I said, the tall grass scene was a wonderful masterwork. And they get out into the helicopter, and again, in, in the parlance of Jurassic Park, like we know that this is the end because that's where the first movie <laughs> ends. It's in the helicopter. They're like, whew, made it through that one. Right. But no, they look down and they see they are loading up that T Rex into some container that they have custom built for it, and they're taking it somewhere. And they're like, fuck a duck. Yeah. And Ludlow is ecstatic about this whole thing mm-hmm. he's like yes yes we did it we did it and he goes up to Roland who's like sad sitting next to this T-Rex caged up and he's like come on Roland you got your buck you got everything you wanted be happy why aren't you happy and he's like Ajay didn't make it that was another reason I thought that maybe they were together mm-hmm. like at least at some point maybe not currently yeah. but like his he's that upset that his partner in what way his partner we don't mm. know but didn't make it. And Ludlow his tries lover. to... Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, it's his lover. They were lovers. Spent a lot of time in the bush <laughs> together. And mm. things happened. They were both all into it. And maybe they were just about to like express their feelings or come out together. Maybe they were going to like vacation after this together. Yeah. Finally like settle down. And, and then this shit happened. It's mm-hmm. like, you know what? Let's take one last job, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Let's go. And then uh, we're going to live our lives and be... And like... Roland is living with this regret because he didn't originally want to do this. No. It was Ajay who came up to him and was like, I've got the perfect thing for you. Like, this is the mother of all mothers of hunting. Let's do yeah. this. And and now he probably feels all this guilt. Yeah. He's absolutely. like, wow, I should have just said no. Ludlow is trying to make lemonade out of lemons. He's mm-hmm. like, come and work for my zoo. And he's like, no, I've spent enough time in the company. of Yes. Death. And I a actually, great parting line. I did like that line because I was like, oh, good. This means like you probably grew because like yeah. your lover just died. And all for what? Yeah, exactly. He got the thing mm-hmm. that he was going after and it left him empty. Yeah. And that's why I said, like, I feel like Roland has the best arc of the movie. I know he's, you convinced me. He's kind of the only one with a true arc. <laughs> Because Ian doesn't really change that much. He, no. he is there for Kelly, but when he finds her on the island, he's there for her the whole time. It's yeah. not like he's shitty and like... Yeah, he's only concerned for her. Yeah, we only ever see him being a good father. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and Roland just like saunters on into the night and we never see him again. And it's so fucking badass. Like he's <laughs> so badass. And the fact that like that guy is still out there somewhere. You know, Roland's still alive. Pete Postlethwaite may have passed on. In 2011, but fucking Roland. Do you think Roland like just stopped 
being with anyone. Like he didn't ever find anyone ever again. He, he never found fucking, love. Like no. he's just alone, celibate somewhere. Yeah. He didn't even like jerk off. He like went full Morrissey. Mm. He just like lived in rough areas of different towns and like went to the bars and waited for someone to be a dick. Basically trying to get himself killed. Mm. Like trying to get into bar fights, starting shit, waiting for the right guy to like stab him or shoot him. Right. Just hoping for the sweet release of death. But I don't think he ever got it because he's just so goddamn good. Right. So that's rolling, man. That's rolling. And now we've made a great epilogue for him. <laughs> That's a movie I would actually have paid to see as like the further adventures of Roland. But maybe I'm alone in that. But who knows? But uh, everyone escapes and we're back on the mainland. It's we cut from night on the island to night in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. It's a little confusing. And Ludlow is now giving a press conference saying that their biggest attractions here. This is going to dig us out of our hole. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be great. Malcolm and Sarah show up and they're in different clothes, but not different enough clothes. <laughs> like the only big difference is her hair is down instead of up. Uh-huh. It's all a She's little bit. She's got confusing. the very 90s boots and jeans on. Man, her outfit is not great. Her, <laughs> I will say that Julianne Moore is a gorgeous woman. Her mm. look in this movie is not great. Her styling is well, she's a woman throughout. on the road, on the go. I guess the, so. And it's like, the, look, no care. I'm not saying they got to like sexualize or anything like that. I'm not saying that like she's <laughs> well, got to look got that in with whatever. the T-Rex. What's that? Well, they got that in with the T-Rex. With the sexualizing the T-Rex? No, <laughs> sexualizing her. Oh, it with, did lick her up and down. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but uh, but her hair is just a big frizzy mess kind of. <laughs> and this like the humidity is not kind to, no. to her hair. But she and Ian show up and... Ludlow's like, no, bring him in here. I want them to see my great victory. And the uh, SS Venture comes coming in. And do you know what the SS Venture is a nod to? No. It's King Kong. Oh. Yeah, from the old King Kong movie. It's the boat that brought him in and brought everyone to Skull Island. Oh, how nice. Yeah. So somehow... Shit has gone awry on this boat. And it <laughs> Which co- doesn't make any sense to me because yeah. here's the thing. Okay, so they're like the boat's coming in, it's supposed to be docking or whatever, and they're like, it's ahead of schedule. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And it's not slowing down yeah. so that it can dock. And they're like, oh shit, it's gonna ram into us. Yeah. And it sure enough does. And they go onto the the ship to find out like what's going on. There were no other dinosaurs on the ship, right? <laughs> yep. It was a T-Rex, and that was it. Because yeah. The baby was flown over. Oh, right, right, right. They specifically said that. They came separate. It was just this gigantic father T-Rex. They go into the captain's area. Completely enclosed. Completely enclosed. Not destroyed, not disturbed whatsoever. And it's just his hand on the wheel. How? I know. (laughs) It bugs me so much. This compares to me like, uh, remember in the very first movie during the T-Rex attack. Mm -hmm. When the T-Rex first shows up, he steps... At basically, he's leveled the road on one side of his fence. He steps over the fence, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like obviously level all the way through with the fence in between him. But then when the car's getting pushed over, <laughs> suddenly there's a giant chasm there mm. that goes down 100 feet. How the fuck did the T-Rex just jump up? <laughs> and we don't ever see like a huge steep cliff on either way. Why also, why would it go down that far for this T-Rex to live in if we're trying to observe him right. or her? It, this is like that. This is like one of those things that they sort of wave it away like, ah, they just all died. <laughs> I saw somewhere that there was supposed to be a scene of raptors getting onto the boat, tearing shit up and eating all of the guys on the boat. And I guess they never shot it. I don't know if it was budgetary reasons or if they did start to shoot it. And they're like, ah, we'd rather have it be a surprise that the boat crashes 
But apparently that was supposed to be the explanation that Raptors wow. came in, ate almost everybody, and then just and then like jumped up, jumped ship. And they're like, oh, fuck, our passports <laughs> are current. Yeah. We got to go. <laughs> we don't know where this place is going. Uh, yeah. So then they got the hell off the boat. And then how the boat with all these dead people the entire way, how did it steer itself perfectly to where it was supposed to be going anyway? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is it crashes into the dock and our baby T-Rex, not our baby T-Rex, our fully grown T-Rex escapes yeah. and is loose in San Diego where Comic-Con happens. It, it's I, The funny thing I is... I wish Comic-Con was happening. That would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been a great scene. <laughs> so many victims. The funny thing is they said, all right, so this thing has been tranked for so long or whatever. It's been in the ship. It the, It's dehydrated. And that's another thing is that they say... He's dehydrated. He's going to look for water. And at first I was like, but there's the ocean. But yeah. it's salt water. He yeah. can't drink yeah. that. Um, I think even animals know uh-huh. that's yeah, yeah, not yeah. what you drink. So he has to go look for water. But then they're all like, and also he's got to be hungry. And it's like, he just ate the fucking whole boat. Yeah, ship. supposedly. But or like, did he? So like if they didn't film this raptor thing to explain the whole thing, maybe they just like everyone didn't know what happened. Yeah. And we're not supposed to know what happened, but that's what happened. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. I don't know. And also, like, how long did this boat take? How long did Ian and Sarah just, like, hang, out, hang out for a couple it days? Was time for this press conference. Yeah, where they just like, oh, man, that was intense. Like, uh, <laughs> Well, they showered at least, and, and yeah. they got rid of Kelly. Yeah, they did get rid of Kelly. And Nick. Nick never shows yeah, yeah. back up. He's gone, too. Who cares about him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, did they just, like, hang out? Because it would have taken at least three or four days for that boat to get back to the mainland. From Costa Rica. From Costa Rica? Yeah, it would have taken a while. So I, I would also like the movie of what happened those couple of days. That very <laughs> mundane a, period. A ghost ship-esque movie. <laughs> oh, not a, no, I'm not talking about the boat. I'm not oh, talking about okay. the boat with literally nobody on it and a, and a sleeping T-Rex. <laughs> I'm talking about what did Ian and Sarah do uh, for those three okay. days? Did they, like... Talk about their issues where they're no. like, oh, man, I wonder what happened to that T-Rex. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe they like knew it was coming. So they're like, we just got to wait. I guess we and just got to like, wait it out. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you want to get for lunch? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Chipotle. How did you feel about the T-Rex running around San Diego? I think at the time that it was released, I was like, ah, cool, whatever. Yeah. I think today I'm like, I could have done without it. I think there's just a whole lot more going on that I didn't like. But one thing I think is one of the best shots in this film is so all the shit happens the t-rex escapes and everything and ludlow's kind of like sitting there like oh fuck yeah like what did i do and you like see his profile of his left side or whatever and then sarah comes and she kneels down and she's like straight on at the camera and she she's like where's the baby yeah and then he like says something and then ian comes into the frame yeah and it's his like profile on his right side and he's like where is it and yeah. i thought like it was so cool because to me it mimicked the t-rex as parents yeah coming in as oh, predators yeah, that's cool to to ludlow and he's like the prey at this moment where they're like the mom and dad yeah. like where's the baby yeah i thought that was such a cool shot it was a great shot i i actually made note of that particular shot too it's just spielberg does those kinds of shots really well mm-hmm. just really interestingly composed shots that uh, I feel like I don't know filmmakers don't do quite as much mm-hmm. anymore it's a little unnatural I think that's maybe why like the there's not a lot of naturalism to the way it's set up mm-hmm. and the way that people would be standing uh, but man what a great shot and I also love the shot after the boat crashes and the T-Rex escapes where Malcolm comes up to Ludlow and says now you're John Hammond when like shit has yeah. completely gone awry like Ah, nice. It's nice also that like, even though John Hammond is played as like this very sweet character that Malcolm knows like the truth. Like this guy fucks 
things up constantly. And Mm -hmm. like he admits the truth of it. So Ian and Sarah want to get the baby T-Rex that you mentioned and lure it back to the ship with it. But before we can get to that, the T-Rex has got to roam around San Diego. It's got to drink some some bleach water. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I love the shots of it walking through the neighborhood. So funny. To me, it was so funny. It just looks ridiculous having this gigantic T-Rex just like walking through the neighborhood. It's great, but it's so funny. It's excellent. And I mean, it doesn't like add anything to the movie really in Mm -hmm. terms of like it's fun spectacle. And it's like what people want to see. And it's like, wow, seeing it in a totally different environment is really neat. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't like add to how this movie resonates like on an emotional level but it's just cool yeah uh, and totally it's a funny image and watching it like a dog bark at it mm-hmm. and uh watching i love the shot when like the t-rex comes uh in a kid's bedroom window and mm-hmm. the kid wakes up and it's like uh and pulls his parents and says there's a d- monster outside or a, there's a dinosaur. a dinosaur outside and they don't of course they don't believe him and uh, they're like arguing like oh this this night light yeah <laughs> and then the t-rex yells at him and they yell back but it uh, ate the dog yeah i know and that dog looked really cute <laughs> too it's like a little boxer <laughs> or something apparently that was like one of the images that spielberg dreamed up was like the t-rex outside a kid's window oh, really? that drew him into making the movie he mm. was like in hawaii again and was like i was on vacation <laughs> all of his good ideas come from vacations because indiana jones came from a vacation oh, i right. think <laughs> and anyway yeah so he was he dreamed up that shot and was like oh that's cool i want to put that in the next one mm. and kind of got him jazzed about making the movie but ian and sarah end up going to the old school jurassic park mm-hmm. which is fun because it adds a the the classic jurassic park theme mm-hmm. plays when they when they're driving through the gates right uh but it's still like a little bit more Lost World fied because there's like a lot of drums and bongos and stuff. Yeah. Which really gives the score a different feel. And speaking of the score, I loved the score in the moment when the T-Rex finally escapes the cargo hold mm-hmm. and is stepping out. It's very just like bombastic and mm. huge and uh, very reminiscent of King Kong, the score, the bomb, 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 bomb kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah. It was just so cool to me. Like that score was really effective, I thought. And yeah, I, I, I like that the different dinosaurs had their different themes yeah. and stuff like that. Because like you said, with the velociraptors, they got a lot of that like bongos, yeah, percussion yeah. type of yeah, that's Soundtrack. when really the percussion stuff like really hit was that yeah, yeah. section of the film. But they go to the old Jurassic Park. They find the baby dinosaur. They're now driving around San Diego trying to find the T-Rex who is just ripping shit up mm-hmm. everywhere. And it's supposed to be like really late at night. So I don't know why all these people are just like roaming the streets right. and why like a video store is open. But it is. Is it open? I don't know. Maybe it's I not. I think he tries to run inside, but it's. Oh, right. He can't? Yes. Yeah, the unlucky guy that I mentioned earlier that got it for no reason. I used to really (laughs) feel bad for anybody who was like an innocent bystander in a movie who got killed. Mm -hmm. Like in, uh, have you you seen Total Recall? Yes. Do you remember the scene when like he's on the escalator and the bad guys show up and he like grabs this guy in front of him and like uses him as a human shield? (laughs) And and the guy just gets ripped to shreds by their bullets. I was like, what the fuck did that guy ever do? Like, (laughs) it's not like you're using one of the bad guys as a human shield. This is Mm -hmm. just some innocent dude on a fucking escalator. (laughs) But there's a lot. I used to hate stuff like that. I just remember the three titties and the the little monster coming out of the guy's chest. Yeah. Those are the things that most people remember. And those are probably the the highlights of that movie. Uh But uh, yeah, so that guy is David Kep, the writer of the movie Mm. that got eaten. 
and uh, second year oh, really? director. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he just looks like a normal white dork. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I only realized today watching, I watched the movie and then I watched the behind the scenes. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> that guy's the same. And you got the corny fucking shot of like Japanese businessmen running away. I did note that down. Like we can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> it's supposed to be like what? Like a Godzilla reference yeah, or something? Yeah. Like, oh man. Because it is like four Asian men just running and looking behind their shoulders yeah. screaming. Yeah, and those uh, the shots like that remind you that Steven Spielberg is like a nerd, basically. Because <laughs> yeah. like maybe you would give yourself the impression that he's like because he's so talented, he is a legit genius. That maybe like he's cool, but no, no. <laughs> if you watch any of the behind the scenes stuff, he's just a dork like the rest of us, uh-huh. man. Because even like asked Richard Attenborough to say "Welcome to Jurassic Park" as he was finishing up for the day, he's like, "Just say it for me once." And it's like, <laughs> and he's like, "Golly, that's great." It's like, God, you're a fucking dork, dude. You're a, <laughs> you're a dweeboid. So my, uh, Ian and Sarah drive up to a 76 station and oh, yeah. they find the T-Rex. They're trying to wake up the baby because it's drugged and everything. And it's finally like beginning to stir and like wake up a little bit. And Sarah's like, we got to find the mu- the father or whatever. And he's like, I think we found him. And the T-Rex apparently oh, yeah. knocked down the giant 76 ball and it like rolls past Also them. extremely corny moment, I thought. <laughs> A little bit because it's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- now they got a Fast and Furious their way out of this. Oh, yeah. that Which, which was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in a convertible. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of car. Don't ask me. <laughs> but it's I don't a know. Some, some old Corvette or it's something. A it's a red, very cool car. Yes. And they're like racing through the city, trying to get it back to the ship. They're driving alongside the the shipyard or whatever. And they're like, it's on the other side of this building or to this this warehouse. We How do we get through? And Ian's like, I got away. And he like drives through yeah, the warehouse. that was cool. Yeah, I like that. And I like, uh, they immediately stop for some reason. I feel like they could have probably kept driving and would have been safer. But what I like is they get out of the car and they start running. And Sarah's like, do you think it's still behind us? And the T-Rex busts through the wall. Uh-huh. Uh, but then they get into a second section of the warehouse and then we just see like the shadow of the T-Rex behind yeah. them for a minute. Like that's just cool. I Sometimes I prefer the shadows to the real thing. Like it's kind of spookier and, and I don't know. It's, it's like it's you said about ominous. It's just, yeah. Like you said about the, the imagination filling in the gaps. Yes. It's like it's a little bit stronger sometimes. But. And, and I do love this part where they are running through and like running onto the ship and you see Ludlow and he's like, where are they going? And he starts chasing them and and they like go down, they go into the ship, they put the baby into the cargo. And as Ludlow is coming up, he sees them running away from the cargo bay yeah. and they jump off and I like the ship. They just like haul ass and jump off they, the ship. They are, ha- great. they are not stopping for anything. They are on a mission. They are running and they jump off the ship. And I don't know why that just like brings me so much joy to see them like doing this like whole action. Yeah, this almost scene. like uh, yeah, Butch and Sundance or like yeah. uh, uh, Bo and Luke Duke from the Dukes of Hazard mm-hmm. kind of thing. But it's so fun. And yeah. then Ludlow's like, I'm going to go get the baby team. Yeah, because he's like, that's all he wants. He just wants to make sure, like, kill the daddy. Just leave us the baby. We can train it or whatever. Uh, So he goes down to the cargo hold to get it. And uh, I don't know if I've said it before, but this movie also plays it fast and loose with the amount of sound the T-Rex makes. Uh Because sometimes it's quiet as a fucking mouse. (laughs) Other times it is, you know, makes the ground rumble. But Ludlow's trying to, like, surround the baby or like, hey, Mm -hmm. let me let me grab you. The T-Rex sneaks up. Tiptoes up behind <laughs> him and like shows up and then he turns around and sees it and tries to run away. But the T-Rex like bites his leg, throws him on the ground and uh, he gets his comeuppance because then the T-Rex basically teaches its baby How to, to hunt. Eat? Yeah, yeah. To hunt. 
once the baby jumps on him and he's screaming, the T-Rex kind of like goes like, <laughs> good job, buddo. And uh, I forget what happened, how exactly. Maybe they got out of the water. They climbed. get out of the water. They go back onto the ship and then they close the cargo. Yeah. But what I really, really like, what I think is a nice little moment for her, Sarah loads up the Trank gun. And as the cargo bay is closing, she shoots yeah. the, the T-Rex the so it can go to sleep. So I can go to sleep for the three-hour <laughs> ride back, apparently. Yeah, to Costa Rica, yeah, <laughs> from San Diego. Yeah, so, yeah, then we basically cut to the final scene, which is of, I guess, Ian's home. It's a yeah. lot of books and things. Kelly, mm-hmm. Ian, and Sarah on the couch. Ian and Sarah are passed out. Kelly's eating popcorn. and Watching it's just, TV. You know, watching TV, the watching the news report about, like, the boat, and it's being now surrounded by all these warships or escorting it basically through mm-hmm. the ocean. I don't know how it's driving. I don't know how they dislodged it from the dock. Mm-hmm. I don't know how any of that works. I, I don't know if it's... <laughs> they just put it in reverse. Is it C? Yeah. <laughs> they just hit R uh-huh. and then press the gas. Is it still seaworthy, I guess, after crashing yeah, into a I dock? No you think idea. it'd be fucked up? But whatever the case, it's... It's not the Titanic, that's for sure. Because yeah. it makes it out of there. Yeah, it does. And those T-Rexes are on there and they're not taking any chances this time. Mm-hmm. And and oh. like I guess all these different ships keep joining it, and like all these helicopters yeah, and airports like or whoever, like crazy they keep escort. like joining it on its yeah. <laughs> journey back. Okay, all right, sure. because I guess the T Rexes are gonna jump out in the water and I attack. Guess. They don't want the ship to be eaten again, but yeah. there's no one there. I don't know. I don't know. But whatever the case, John Hammond comes on the screen mm. and it was like one last moment with him saying uh-huh. like we gotta leave these animals be. Uh, life will find a way. Yes. And we uh, cut back to the island. <clears throat> One last glorious shot of all the dinosaurs living. Just living harm- har- harmoniously. <laughs> yeah. uh, Peacefully, lovingly. Yeah, the T-Rexes are right there. We pan over like three inches and the second horses are just like walking, walking by. Like it's, and if we've ever been to Disneyland and we've been through the primeval world on the train, yes. we know that Stegosauruses and T-Rexes do not, do get, not along. get along. They fight. Very mild movement, <laughs> but they definitely fight each other. Uh, and then we get to see like some flying-ass dinosaurs, like some pteranodons or mm-hmm. shit. And those are cool because we haven't seen those yet. Yeah. And it's kind of like, uh, those are going to escape to other islands, by and the way. And we never saw them in the first film either. No. This was our first time seeing them. And we'll see them much more in the next movie. Yes. And one of probably the best scenes from Jurassic Park 3, which is that like aviary scene. Mm. When like the tr- the whatever pterodactyl like comes out of the mist. Yeah, like, on the bridge. On the bridge. Because they hear it walking. Yeah. I mean, that shit's it. cool. But uh, in an otherwise kind of weird movie. Uh, but that's it. John Hammond says life will find a way. We see proof of concept. We see life is finding a way and we fade to black and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And I absolutely enjoy watching this movie. It is a wild ride. It is a fun fucking adventure movie. It's a romp. Like you laugh, you're tense most of the time. And thinking about it now, I think that like maybe people don't like it because it's not saying anything the way that the first movie did. Yeah, I think that is true. It's not the first movie. And I think no. that's what people want it to be. And I think that's what people continue to want this franchise to be. Yeah. Is they want it to be this first movie. But the first movie is the only movie that is like the first movie. Yeah, exactly. And I think maybe the sequel is the one that started it off on this whole like thriller, suspense, chase type yeah. movie thing. Because I think what audiences may want out of a typical movie is that like chase, that horror type element, that adventure, that adrenaline that they get from watching these kinds of movies. But at the same time, they want Jurassic Park to be Jurassic Park. Yeah. And I 
don't think that the studios really know how to give us that again. And I don't think they can. You can't. You can't capture lightning in a bottle like that again because Jurassic Park was so perfect. It was a man at the height of his powers and the perfect subject matter to utilize him at that time in his life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, it had something to say about the power of science, about using caution mm-hmm. with that power. And it's hard to find a big overarching message in one of these newer movies to somehow wrap into a fun adventure, mm-hmm. you know, because it got everything right in that first movie. It got the adventure right. It got the message and it got great character arcs. I mean, if, if nothing else, Alan Grant changes a lot in yes. the movie. In this movie, we don't, like I said before, we don't really get those character arcs. Um, Ian doesn't change. No. Uh, Roland changes and that's about it. Sarah, yeah. everybody else is pretty much exactly the same. And it certainly doesn't strive to say anything. And even Steven Spielberg, like apparently while he was making this movie, was like, yeah, I'm not going to make any more of these. I don't. (laughs) He grew less and less enamored with this movie Mm -hmm. because he felt he was just making like a monster movie that had no soul. And I can agree that this movie is lacking some of the soul of the original. But as far as the sequel goes, you want it to be bigger, funner and crazier. And it's certainly all of those things. Yeah. And it's so different. It just broke the mold. Yeah. And no other Jurassic Park movie has dared to be this different, uh, I guess you could argue that the latest one, The Fallen Kingdom, it's, was a little bit. It's interesting because The Fallen Kingdom, I feel like, was trying to capture what the original did by giving us a message, which was like this moral, what do we do when we can do what we can do? And like, should we do? And what is life? And like, how yeah. much respect do we give to what we are creating? And like, it, it, I think it's trying to say something. I don't, I think that people get frustrated with it because it was... Jurassic Park as if it was Resident Evil was that movie. (laughs) You know, that's true. And I think that's at least neat and similar to the San Diego sequence took it to like visually somewhere different. Yes. To me, I still enjoyed it. I still had a fun time watching it. Was it great? No. Yeah. But like, I still had a fun time and I don't hate on the movie like a lot of people have. And I'm going to go watch the next one. Oh, yeah. I'll be there. When it's with bells on dinosaurs all over the world and like in cities and stuff like I'm going to love it. Yeah. uh, Or at least enjoy it. I don't know. You can't you can't capture what Jurassic Park did. No, you can't do it again. It's impossible. So we got to enjoy the adventures that we're given. We got to enjoy the sequel that we're given. And despite the fact that it's not as good as the original, it's still Spielberg doing Spielberg. It's still pretty goddamn fun. Yeah. And it's fucking a Jeff Goldblum starring vehicle as an action hero. And it makes (laughs) no fucking sense. But God, is it wonderful? It's wonderful. I loved it. Same here. But what did you folks think? Did you think that Lost World Jurassic Park was ingenious? Or should we all high hide this movie from the world? Let us know. (laughs) How can you let us know? You can email us at HWIG Podcast. Richard enjoyed that one very much. HWIG Podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram. Check us out. I've been trying to be more active on the Twitter and Instagram, posting some more photos. Uh, giving you stuff to look at. I'm going to actually post a photo of my Jeff Goldblum collection, I believe, mm. on this one. So you guys out there listening can get verification of, of my <laughs> obsession. Uh, Richard, it's been really great having you on. Thank Richard you so Cardinus. much. Richard Cardenas. Ooh, Cardenas. gracias. Cardenas. Ooh, so good. Yeah, it's been great having you on, man. I've been wanting you on for a long time. Thank you for having me. Uh, this wasn't the original movie we wanted to do, but it was just as fun, I'm sure. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that one <laughs> eventually. I will be texting you about everything when 
to talk about. Yes, now. yes. Uh, Richard, you do all, all sorts of stuff. So let us know where to find you. And oh, what you great. Do. Uh, yeah, you can find me on all social media at Le Richard C. I guess Facebook is the same thing. Apparently, people can't find me on Facebook, but maybe I want it that Probably way. for know. the best. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you can find me there. Uh, I do Awkward Human Survival Guide, which is a comedy advice show that John and Lindsay have been on plenty of times. Oh, yeah. We always love having them on. And then I have Interview with a Nerd, which, you know, if you're lucky, I'll put out an episode. <laughs> Don't downplay it. It's a really great show. Uh, where I talk to some people or sometimes to myself about nerdy things. And I've been on that show several times as yes, well. And I have. always enjoy Yay. talking with you about comic books. And I've talked about Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. Spider-Man, uh, the Infinity War. Uh, and you, Sebastian, and Lindsay, all three came on the show to talk about possums versus penguins. Penguins versus possums. Penguins versus possums. <laughs> <laughs> Huge fan. Yes, obviously. <laughs> but um, it's been great having you on. Uh, I can't wait to have you on in the future. But until that time comes, I'm John Bring. And I'm Richard Cardenas. And here's why it's great. What did Ian and Sarah do uh-huh. for those three okay. days? Did they like talk about their issues? Were they no. like, what do you want to get for lunch? Mm. I don't know. Chipotle? Panero? Well, Chipotle wasn't really a thing back then. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's where I would go to lunch now. now. That's like my go-to. Ebola be damned. Not Fuck Ebola. It. What do they got? Yeah. Ebola. Is it a Ebola? No, not Ebola. E. coli. <laughs> slight difference between mm. the two. Very slight. <laughs> uh, just as bad. Sure. Um, <laughs> man, we are, we are on fire. <laughs>